start it up. We'll start it up, and then I can see, kind of see what all your lines are looking like. Because I'm getting a lot of background hum from Tim, too, it looks like. so. Uh, I don't have anything. Yeah. My window's closed. I don't fucking know. I think it's just because your mic picks up fucking everything. It's the one thing it's I've noticed since you switched over to that microphone. is like I have to clip your audio file a lot more. Yeah, Tim, your mic is too good. It picks up my mouse clicks and shit like that. Well, it, it picks up every like anytime Tim fucking so much as like breathes funny, like <laughs> or, you can hear the yeah. rustling of the clothing. Here, it's I, I'll crazy. move it. I'll move it back from my face. Yeah, thank you. There you go. <laughs> so it's not. So now I can't read my fucking notes. <laughs> so I have your monitors on arms so they can go up, Tim. Like up. Yeah, up is uh, good on monitor arms. So it's true. I do have it on arm. I could do that. But then I'd be looking up like even more at my webcam than I am already. <laughs> I never look up at, at my, it. I don't care. At my, don't at my care. screens anyways. Because yeah. Anyways, that's enough. I'm sure our listeners are fucking just, <laughs> just enthralled by us talking about our microphone and monitor setups right now. So to be fair, what else do they have to listen to talk at this point? <laughs> it's either that or they listen to their fucking kids complain about some bullshit. Like we can't get a PS5. Trust me, we fucking know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're all trying. We're well aware (laughs) that PS5s are fucking more rare than Dodo Birds now. (laughs) It is insane. Everything is crazy. Yeah, there still hasn't been a drop of the disc version since uh, the 15th of March. Yeah, since since, like, you know, three quarters, three weeks now, I think, something like that. Yep, yep, yep. yep. I haven't seen any like 3,000 series cards in Canada in (laughs) at least four weeks. I think this is just the podcast now. It's just a weekly recap of us trying to find PS5s and video cards. Video cards. <laughs> That's all I'm looking for right now. I'm like, I've got a new game I'm starting. It's all video focused and stuff. And I'm like, well, I want, I need my video RAM now because now I'm yeah. going to be doing like big After Effects projects. And <laughs> guess what? Video cards are real fucking hard to find. So, <laughs> all right. Well, before we we lose everybody with our lamentations about PS5s and video cards, <laughs> uh, let's get this fucking thing started. Welcome back to Dance Robot Dance, everybody. This is the 246th weekly episode of our podcast where we talk about all things nerdy and geeky from a decidedly not safe for work point of view. I am Tim coming to you from Toronto, Ontario. I'm going to be hosting this episode as we near the end of our. Oh, there's Bogart. As we yes. near the end of our uh, Superman journey, uh, with me, I've got Mark, as usual. Hi, everybody. Also, <laughs> hi to the puppy that's on the podcast apparently now. I'm just going to leave that in. <laughs> okay, dog barks stay in all the time. <laughs> He's the third mic this week. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the puppy, Bogart, is uh, with my friend Stephen, coming to us from Atlanta. Welcome back, Stephen. Hello, good to be back. It is. Actually, I just got a notice in my memories today that it's about basically about two years since you were first on the podcast. Oh, wow. After your initial Jeopardy stint. That's true. That was, I just had my two-year anniversary last week. Yeah. So this, this would be about the time. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Tim being let out of Facebook jail again? <laughs> right off the top? Yeah. Facebook fucking is like super sensitive lately in terms of shit that they're uh, putting people in jail for. Like, I just got in again for like fucking a week and i've had other people that are like people that like are you know don't fucking curse or anything like that at all that are being like why did i just get put in facebook jail for like three or five days or some shit like that it's it's real bad so yeah be careful what you're saying on facebook these days folks or just like delete your account like everybody <laughs> should at this point I think, <laughs> the, Z- the Zuckerbots are are extra sensitive especially on the harassment and, and bullying shit right now I was going to make a joke about you being stuck in Zucker jail all week when we started the episode, but mm-hmm. I, uh, 
Steven just got a delivery. He got his PS5, so now he's going to kick out of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Remember, no, we're not talking to you anymore. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, we're going to talk uh, some more Superman movies tonight. But before we do that, get into the news this week. It was actually somewhat of a busy week in terms of news. The first thing I saw that I'm kind of pretty excited about is that Mystery Science Theater is back in Kickstarter land uh, trying to get another season of their show made, and they've already got enough donations to make like at least three new episodes. Who cancels Mystery Science Theater? Like, just let it go. How much can it possibly cost to make, first of all? As part of the Kickstarter, they actually have like a detailed breakdown of where all the money goes. Like, here's yeah, why it costs yeah. so much to make Mystery yeah. Science Theater. And it was like, like I, I saw it yesterday and I read the whole thing. I was like, oh. This, it was so a that, really that detailed it. Kickstarter. Yeah. 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 Sure. It, it was super transparent. And they also, you know, basically like the, the minimum level, which they've already got funded, basically said that they're going to create like their own sort of like little virtual production studio mm-hmm. called the Gizmoplex. So basically, they'll be pretty much self-sufficient at that point. They won't have to necessarily rely on a streaming service or something like that in order to to have an outlet or somewhere to like fund and produce these episodes. They'll be able to produce them themselves. So that's exciting. So if you're interested in in supporting this Kickstarter, which I probably will, uh, it just started a couple of days ago. It's already caught like 2.7 million, but like they're sort of like top level stretch goal i think is like 12 million or something like that no sorry five and a half million is like their like big stretch goal there's like a couple stages in between there and at that it'll be 12 new episodes and 12 new shorts that they'll be able to produce with five and a half mil nice so they're well on their way to that now the website is make more mst3k.com and i'm guessing it probably just points to the kickstarter see next uh we got a number of bits of star trek news because it was first contact day this past week and so CBS just used that to dump a whole bunch of shit, most of which is fucking region locked, so I can't see it and couldn't fucking be bothered to go and find it elsewhere. But yeah, it got mirrored on the Reddit, so I watched most yeah. of it. So yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I know I'm sure that other like trailer YouTube pages and shit like mm-hmm. that have picked it up, but like I don't really want to see a, tra- a trailer for season four of Enter or, or of uh, Discovery, Discovery yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't super keen on the like that trailer Discovery's. I guess a lost cause. I don't know what else to call that show at this point. And then like Picard, like they're pulling out the big guns to get people to come back now. Like, yeah, like we're going to give you Q. Please yeah, come back. Yeah. Please, it's basically please watch. after last year. They were like, all right. Yeah, we heard you. We'll just bring Q guided <laughs> and work back. They'll all be back next year. You'll yeah. see everybody you want. There's even uh, the trailer has a, a quick shot of a tablet, a Bajoran tablet that oh. Cisco smashed in Deep Space Nine. And I'm like, what the fuck is that doing in there? Keep your <laughs> filthy CBS All Access pause off my Deep Space Nine, you monster. <laughs> no! Yeah. I was like, oh, like you get excited, and then you're like, oh, wait, who's writing this? Like, no. <laughs> so. Steven, Steven, I don't think we've talked uh, Star Trek with you very much. Have you been watching much of the new Trek? Uh, we haven't been talking Star Trek, but we're kind of getting ahead of things here because I've been watching a lot of Star Trek lately. Oh, okay. I started rewatching. Uh, well, I just watched all the uh, the original series movies over the past, you know, few months, nice. uh, and then that Good got stuff. me to dive back into the next generation. So I've been the past few weeks just hitting the highlights of TNG. Before my wife's never seen Deep Space Nine, so we're going to hit the highlights of the next generation and then go straight into Deep Space Nine. So and like August twelfth is when the the next season two starts for Lower Decks. So that's yeah. exciting, and I think we are getting Strange New Worlds this year. Like it's supposed to be twenty twenty one. So yeah. maybe we'll get some good captain pike star trek also 
Well, the one thing out of all those announcements that, that looked pretty interesting to me was a Star Trek branded convention, brand yeah. new convention in Chicago coming next spring uh, that's just called Star Trek Mission Chicago at like the huge McCormick Place Convention Center in Chicago uh, from uh, April 8th to 10th. So I don't I'm assuming that's over a weekend, probably like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, it'd be cool if they can get like something like that going, like, a you know, a Star Trek, basically like a, a Star Trek version of Star Wars Celebration. That's yeah. like an annual thing. Yeah, I'm on, I'd be on board. The only other thing that you missed was the Prodigy thing. They showed us what Captain Janeway is going to look they like did. CGI. Mm-hmm. And it's it looks kind of Disney. Yeah, I, I was kind of like. It's it's very much visual, so yeah. what's the point in us talking about it? But yes, we did get to see the the rendering of Janeway in uh, Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah, whatever. Lots of news for <laughs> New Trek, which is always yeah, yeah. We spent ten minutes on it. Let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> the other big trailer this week, which wasn't the first trailer, but was probably the most comprehensive trailer we got so far, was for the Loki Disney Plus series, which comes out just a couple of months now. I think it's June. Yeah, June eleventh. Yeah. Uh, six episodes and it goes it gives a lot more sort of insight into the actual plot which is basically loki getting recruited as like a time cop kind of thing yeah a timeline cop kind of thing like they're trying to rein in all the fucking damage that the avengers did to the time stream in uh, in endgame yeah (laughs) but all the fucking branch timelines and shit like that yeah so and yeah they've got him branded what do they have him branded as like they've got a, a shirt on him that says like anomaly or something like that like like not the original like not the right time stream loki kind of thing yeah it looks brilliant to me it looks like people have been lamenting the lack of weird in uh falcon and winter soldier after wandavision this looks like a return to some fucking like cosmic marvel weird yeah, yeah, it looks like they're very much getting into the multiverse stuff in here. Yeah, which... And also, like, Tom Hiddleston looks like he's having a fucking blast. So, he like... looks so happy. Oh, he does. Yeah. So I'm just like, this is going to be, this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And also, like, the confusing John Slattery versus Owen Wilson, <laughs> Owen Wilson that we're going to be doing for the entire time. That's going to be just, yeah, because, like, everybody was confused. We had a chat about it yesterday. Like, <laughs> my brother chimed in and was like oh shit that was a john slattery i need to rewatch the trailer it's like yeah right like it looks he's just I, I can't believe the wilson brothers just turned into john slattery as they got older it's so yeah it's so weird to look at <laughs> and then uh the big thing for attendees of dragon con in the loki trailer oh, was geez, a huge yeah. shot of the marriott <laughs> the, you know as like i guess like the the Time Variant Academy or whatever it is, uh, headquarters. Yeah, and as Loki in voiceover says, I know where this is. I'm yeah. just like, I know where that is too, Tom <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, the the subtweet from the Dragon Con on the like the main Marvel post fucking ratioed the Marvel post like two to one because of the Dragon Con <laughs> attendees. Like, <laughs> clicking like, I did too. I was like, oh man, I've been there for Dragon Con. I'm one yeah, of those people. Upvote. upvote. <laughs> Up, yeah, well, like or whatever you do on Twitter. So, yeah. In the non-Disney Marvel stuff. Oh, who even cares anymore then? <laughs> well, <laughs> basically Disney kind of let themselves get fucked again because yeah. uh, in terms of streaming, uh, because Sony managed to get a five-year streaming deal with Netflix. for So they'll basically have first streaming rights to any Sony Marvel properties. So all of this Spider-Man, all Spider-Man. bullshit and related properties that, that Sony is just 
putting all their eggs into right yeah. now. Sadly, <laughs> also, this means that like the, the MCU Spider-Man movies will be homed at Netflix while the rest of the cinematic universe is housed over on Disney+. Well, Plus, first, which is... it's, it sounds like Disney yeah, Plus yeah, yeah. will still get them. They just won't get them. Netflix will get them before Disney Plus does. Because they're not on Disney Plus right now, but they are on Netflix, I believe, in mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a five-year deal that starts next year, so it'll be at least through 2027, so... just buy the fucking character back already (laughs) yeah agreed also on netflix but not marvel but still superhero uh did you guys either you guys see this jupiter's legacy trailer yeah i'm on board uh i like like mark millar's kind of post marvel uh output he's usually because he pairs up with like superstar artists like this uh jupiter what is this called again jupiter jupiter's legacy jupiter's legacy was a frank quitely book Yeah, yeah so like I was on and there was, there was a quite there was a quietly Easter egg in the trailer too. There was a van that said quietly express in it. Yeah, I think um, that there's some of his art on the fucking wall too, wasn't there? I'm trying to remember. I yeah. I watched the trailer at the beginning of the week, so it's been a while, but Yeah. It, yeah, it looks like fun. It looks like uh, you know, it looks it looks like a like a DC kind of Justice League story, but like older like kind of flashbacky like it's got like some it's basically like the first gen this world's like first generation of heroes and it flashes back to like when they first emerged and then it's also showing sort of what they're doing in modern day like they ha- they've aged but not like normal people so they're like you know it, they're middle-aged or whatever yeah they now. should be 100 but they're like they actually still look like they're like, look like they're 50 or something like yeah. That, yeah and like a shredded 50 most of them anyway so yeah so looks interesting and then then you've got kind of the generational kind of stuff that dc always tends to do where you've got like younger generations of characters that are feeling the pressure of their parents legacy and all that so feels like a broader bigger budget take on what they're doing on uh Superman and Lois right now with like dealing with the yeah. next generation of superheroes and stuff like that. It's yeah. interesting. Super DC. Like that's a very DC thing to do. So, yeah. And this is, I mean, um, for any of our listeners that aren't really familiar with Mark Millar, it's the same dude that was behind kick ass was behind Kingsman. So, you know, if you like those, then this is probably going to be in a similar vein or similar tone. At least I still think of him as the guy who did the ultimates and the authority. Like that's how far back I, you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that's how old I am, I guess. See, has not been a great week for DC. We Ray Fisher finally uh, sort of came out with a huge interview with Hollywood Reporter on all of the shit that has sort of been going on behind the scenes between him and Warner over the past, like, well, fucking since like 2017, basically, or before that, since fucking like Justice League was being filmed. And uh, it's it's a fucking mess to read. <sighs> Yeah, I, I tried to get through it like three times, and it's just like, yeah, there's it goes a couple different ways, and it's not pleasant. Also, it's a lot of different threads, and a lot of it is like you know he said they said kind of thing, but it's a situation where like Fisher doesn't really have anything to gain by lying in this situation, but Warner has a lot to gain by like covering their covering executives' asses yeah. and shit. And so there's, I mean, there, there's some stuff here that you know, given the other shit that we know about Joss Whedon now absolutely fucking rings true. And I can totally believe Joss doing. And there's other stuff that where like, there's a lot of bad shit in here about Jeff Johns as well. And yeah. a lot of it sounds you know pretty fucking plausible too. And so I encourage you to go look up that Hollywood reporter article. And it, it really does seem to fill in a lot of the blanks in that story. Yeah, there was a there was a story that came out about Gal Gadot this week too, like Joss Whedon like totally freaking out on her and shit. And I was like, the only thing I could think when he fucking said that was like, did he write Wonder Woman eighty four? 
Just like <laughs> as just to fuck fuck things up. But yeah. like the, the, sort of the whole the whole core of it is that it sounds like Ray Fisher was like genuinely trying to sort of educate Whedon and Jeff Johns on like, hey, if you do this and like make these changes to the cyborg story, this is how it's gonna come across to the black community. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, as a black person, this is what you're doing right now and how it's going to be perceived. And they just kind of said like okay, fine, we're still doing it. Especially, like, in the light now that where we've seen what the cyborg story was supposed to be. Like, we sat through Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and stuff like that, and it's like, out of all the bad things I will say about Justice League, both versions of it, like, the cyborg story was very well done in the Snyder Cut. Like, that Much was, better than, like, yeah. way better. I mean, it deserved to be its own movie, probably, yeah. but, like, it was a much better story and through line for that character than what was like hatcheted like out of justice league and what, whatever like bleeding stumps were left behind. So, and that seems to be what Fisher was kind of fighting for, right. Was like, Hey, you know, this character could be like really dimensional and do a lot of good things for black culture and the sort of crossover with superhero culture kind of thing, which is huge right now. Yeah. And you're really making a mistake in terms of getting rid of this. And you're also trying to frame this guy as more of just like a dour, like angry black man character. And that's like a, a trope that you want to fucking stay away from. And then Especially like, how can you be that genre blind after black Panther happened? Like you're watching your this competition is before black Panther. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Was it after civil war? Uh, no, yes. it, was, it would have been in between. It was after Civil War, though, right? Like that, like yeah, yeah. Just, it was, it would have show, been like T'Challa showing up in Civil War was a huge fucking moment for everybody. Period. And then, like the movie itself was another step. But like at that point, they had to be watching what was going on across the street and be like, "We really should get on that bandwagon." And then they decided to like turn around and fuck it up instead. Like the one black character they have, and they're like, yeah. "No, let's just chop it all out." Marvel's doing fine with Black Panther. That's not gonna work. Jesus Christ, guys. And then the other thing that came to light during all this is uh, Reggie Jean Page, who uh, recently had a, sort of a pretty big hit in Bridgerton, apparently had auditioned to play one of Kal-El's like, ancestors on Krypton, yeah. the show which is... Remember remember Krypton? That existed. That happened. Yeah, two seasons, right? Yeah, two seasons. I watched the first, and I really am having a hard time bring myself to watch the second and that's yeah. a fucking like lifelong superman fan and this is coming that. from the guy who has watched cloak and dagger and asked me about it <laughs> so like tim watches a lot that of that shit season, that season also was hard to fucking watch yeah yeah it really was the pilot was hard to get through <laughs> that's all i got through so there you go uh yeah and jeff john's basically saying like no we can't have a black actor playing superman's grandpa pretty much uh even though they definitely had a black actor playing like zod's grandpa yeah yeah so but he's the bad sweet. guy, Tim. Yeah, so that's it's okay, that's... man. <laughs> Fuck DC. Just get your fucking act together. Like the, the thing is they're doing great. And even Jeff Johns has done fucking great things with minority and diverse characters in comics. He just fucking can't is he's just fucking terrified to do it on screen, apparently. Or he's just an asshole and he's using it to fucking get his career furthered. I don't know what to tell yeah. you, man. He, well, he, he sounds, lost that job that he had. He sounds yeah. worse and worse every time we hear a story about that guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe he should have stuck with comic writing and not gotten promoted. Cause yeah, I think that, I think that might be it. I think he maybe just got a little fucking power drunk when give he, the job to Jim Lee. Jim Lee's always just been like the affable, like everybody's buddy of DC comics. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know enough about Jeff Johns as a person to be comfortable with him in this position anymore, especially with these stories. They yeah. keep coming out. 
Whereas like Jim Lee, every time I see him, it's like him showing up on Kevin Smith podcast and like doing charity drops for with sketches of his. And I'm like, yeah, he seems like genuinely good. good dude. This is a dude I can get behind Jim Lee for fucking president. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just draws <laughs> Superman in his spare time. I'm cool with that. Yeah. So I don't know. The very last bit of news that I had this week was uh, we got another little teaser bit for uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which featured what is probably the new Baby Yoda, which is a bunch of tiny little uh, Stay Puffs. Yeah. Like fucking running rampant in a hardware store. I'm not going to lie. Those things are pretty fucking cute. I mean, I'm on board for this movie at this point. Like Paul Rudd and stuff. They kind of got me. I'm okay. Like (laughs) you're never going to recapture the magic of the original and like. If anybody can come close, it's fucking Paul Rudd. Well, it's like I think Jason Reitman like has a kind of mm. good line on how to probably do this. Okay, so we'll see. It was like they pushed the fucking movie back again, so like we still got to wait a little <laughs> bit longer to see it. Yeah. So, but yeah, the trailer was cute as shit. Oh, that that was a fun little bit. Yeah. yeah. So and it really like tonally felt like the the first movie uh, that that little bit did. But yeah, that was everything I had for news this week. Did I miss anything? No, I not that I can remember at this point. All right. Or that I want to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to our Geek of the Week. Which is where we talk about the nerdiest thing we've done in the past week or so. Uh, so let's go to our special guest, Stephen, first. Stephen, what is your Geek of the Week? Or did we already wreck it? We You already kind of wrecked it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much more much geekier than like alternating between episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of Fringe for an entire week, which is what I've been doing. Oh, true, true. Last year was kind of my year of watching nothing but movies, and this year I'm like, okay, like let's just watch like TV that I like. So I'm watching Fringe again, I'm watching Next Generation again, I'm going to start Deep Space Nine, I've been watching Star Trek movies. So I, I yeah, I've got a, I've got a list, like I'm going to watch, I've never never seen Battlestar, so I'm going to watch Battlestar this year, Ooh, I've never seen good. Babylon 5, so I'm going to do Babylon 5. Like, I'm, just gonna, I'm sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to, well, maybe I won't do Babylon 5 then, uh, but I'm just going to go through like sci-fi TV that I know, sci-fi TV that I don't know, sci-fi TV that I've heard of, and just try and fill in fill in some of those gaps while revisiting some favorites and that's that's what i've been up to this week nice uh i would suggest uh maybe not babylon 5 try the expanse instead <laughs> okay i have heard good things about the expanse i don't think i'm ever going to be able to do babylon 5 apparently there's a remastered version on hbo max and i'm still like i still don't care but like <laughs> watching the expanse is one of the best sci-fi shows i've seen since battlestar so like get in there. awesome fucking oh well that's on amazon now isn't it it is yeah it's on amazon okay Prime, cool so all right, I will add it all, to the list. I think all five seasons are on there now. Uh, also, so yeah, go get in. It's oof. it's hard sci-fi, but like it's it's really good. So yeah, we'll do. Nice. All right, Mark. How about you? What's your gig of the week? It's kind of like I'm in the middle of it right now because it's WrestleMania weekend coming up. So it's just like mm-hmm. show after wrestling show after wrestling show. Uh, last night was night one of NXT Takeover. So NXT is their developmental brand, and like. It was an okay show. It was actually, like, uh, according to their fans, it was the best NXT show ever. But, like, I was like, it was good. I enjoyed it. There was a match in there that, like, uh, who was it? It was Tommaso Ciampa versus Walter, who's the NXT UK champion. And it's just, like, he's, like, six foot six and looks like he's built. He's, like, a giant thumb. He's just built, like, a brick. And <laughs> it's it was just brutal. I couldn't believe they got away with that on WWE TV, like, free TV. I was like, all right, cool. But, yeah, so that's basically it. Like, it'll be... So tonight's night two of NXT TakeOver, and then I think SmackDown is Friday, because what's today, Thursday? Yeah. So it was like Raw Monday, NXT TakeOver, NXT TakeOver, SmackDown, and then WrestleMania is on the weekend, like Saturday, Sunday night. 
and then Raw again. The Raw for WrestleMania will be on Monday night. So it's been like a lot of wrestling. Plus my regular AEW shows. I can't take it anymore. I'm losing my mind with watching all this wrestling. So it's a little bit much. <laughs> but sticking my mind off the lack of PS5s, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. can't find a PlayStation. So I'm just like, well, I was watching wrestling because there's fucking 400 hours of it on this week. So. <laughs> It's only a matter of time before you make me watch some fucking wrestling and, and have us do an episode on it. Uh, if, if, if you think that comic book continuity is complicated, oh, just wait till you get into wrestling continuity. Yeah, oh my god. I followed it a little bit like back in the 90s with like, you know, Undertaker, Ultimate Warrior era kind yeah. of shit. WWE stuff's just like constant. And I don't even know half the people, so I don't know. All right. See, I have a few things I could do this week. I finished watching Dark. Probably my biggest thing this week is that I've been playing more Zelda Spirit Tracks, and I'm like about 70, 75% of the way through the game now. Well, I've got like two temples to go, but I'm like right at the start of the next uh, temple right now. So it's been pretty fun just, you know, as a little casual kick around kind of uh, handheld game. So yeah, and it's got, I mean, like any Zelda music, it's it's got fun music and shit and is that the one you have to handle, like with the touchpad? Yeah, it's one of the ones that yeah was was for the um, like the original DS. Yeah, so they really do lean into that gimmick with the uh, the stylus, and you have to like lead Link around screen and shit, which actually makes the combat like super fucking easy because all you have to do is tap on the shit that you want to kill really quick. Like unless it's like a boss fight where there's you know a little more strategy to it, like any other you know sort of normal enemy is just like tap 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 until it's dead kind of thing just hack and slash that's uh that's annoying yeah but i don't know game itself like i mostly play zelda games for like the puzzles and that sort of thing and little side questy stuff and that stuff has been decent i mean it's not like it's not my favorite even handheld zelda game i wouldn't say that still probably goes to minish cap so far of the ones that i've played but i mean the nice thing is is that when i'm done this i can uh, jump over to the one branch of Zelda of Zelda games of the Zelda time I haven't played yet, which is the timeline that has all the original games in it. Oh, you're gonna finally play the old stuff, eh? Yeah, so I'll, I'll be able to finally go through and play like Link to the Past and like in the original like Zelda and all that shit. Um, so you play Link to- okay, yeah. You so you got a lot so of good in that that branch too. Not to like spoil it, but you got a bunch of good shit to play. Yeah, you got <laughs> so, a lot like, to look forward to. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's exactly. a, you got two or three games in there that are like really dynamite. You also have like Adventures of Link, which can be yeah. <laughs> there's a reason they made one side scrolling Zelda game. Yeah. All right, and then with that, we can move on to our meat of the episode: emo super meat. <laughs> I can see Mark grimacing already. Yep. So we are back to live action Superman movies this week in our big Superman movie watch thing. And this week is 2006's Superman Returns, which I kind of view as training for like the multiverse version of the MCU that we're about to get because it's a fucking mess of like continuity and different branch timelines and shit like that. Because like this is an alternate sequel to Superman 2. The theatrical cut, I guess. That it also ignores a big chunk of stuff that happened in <laughs> Superman 2. It does. I, I except, except Superman's only been gone for five years, and this movie clearly takes place in the mid-2000s, like uh, 25 years after. It looks like the 40s in some shots. <laughs> well, except it has flat-screen TVs. 
Yes, and also uh, somehow Superman and Lois have de-aged 15 years because they look like they're <laughs> yeah, about Lois especially. Yes, they look like they're <laughs> children now. It's very interesting across from a Perry White who is now like Dracula looking is Frank Langella. <laughs> <laughs> I love Frank yeah. Langella, but he's like 300 years old in this movie. So like, he, yeah, he and did, it, he did play Dracula. So he, did. <laughs> he was excellent at it too. <laughs> but like now he's starting to look like Gary Oldman, old Dracula. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And this movie, like it's seriously like, well, well I mean, we'll get into the, oh, the we're going to get into it. The continuity implications. Let's see. What do we want to do first? Plot recap or like first thoughts kind of thing. <sighs> That's up to you, man. Your host. All right, let's do. Let's let's get everybody's opinions out in the open first, and then we'll talk about the fucking plot of this movie. It's going to be all over the place here. I already know. So let's go to our guest, Stephen. First, Stephen, what are your sort of top level thoughts about Superman Returns? I like this movie a whole lot. I am unapologetic in the fact that I like all the stuff that you were just listing as the negative are the positives for me. <laughs> I like the stuff about this movie that nobody else likes. I like the fact that it is slowly paced. I like the fact that you cannot tell what decade it is supposed to be set in. I like the (laughs) fact that it jettisons the continuity of three and four. And honestly, if you want my opinion, they could have just... I'm with you on that part. (laughs) They could have have jettisoned the continuity of part two also, and I would have been great with it. Like, I love Brandon Routh as Superman. I like... Kevin Spacey is a sex criminal, but I really like his performance as Lex Luthor. See, uh, that, this is that's the big disagreement we're going to have. I think like that's going to be a big one. I'm ready for it. Oh, I, like, hope so. I, I am like I don't think it is a perfect movie, uh, but I think it is a really, really, really good movie, and probably my second favorite Superman movie. Easily my second favorite Superman movie. The question is, do wow. I like it more than the original? It is a really, really well done movie, and I'll get into all of this. But yeah, I'm coming from a, from a place of effusive praise, unapologetic in your apologism. Yeah, exactly. Like I, <laughs> I, I will, I will make no apologies for any parts of it except for the fact that I like what Kevin Spacey did in the movie. I will apologize for liking <laughs> a Kevin Spacey performance, but nothing else, and for liking the Brian Singer movie, uh, also a sex. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least this isn't the movie where a middle-aged man invites teenagers over to live in his mansion because he says that they're special. Uh, that's the harder Brian <laughs> movie to watch these days. This, I don't see Brian Singer's personal life in, so I'm, I'm more okay with watching it. All right, <laughs> let's go to the other edge, end of the spectrum here. Mark, what are your feelings about Superman Returns? I hated it when I saw it in 2006, and I fucking hated it when I watched it this time. <laughs> Nothing in this movie works for me at all on the, at the top level. Uh, at the medium and the bottom level, uh, when you dig into it, it gets worse and worse as you dig into the layers of it. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting conversation because uh, right now in my head, Steven has lost his fucking mind. <laughs> I'm going to win you over. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I, trust me. There is no winning me over. Let me do the plot recap and you'll understand why. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm going to come down somewhere in between here. So we're going to have a full gamut of opinions. <laughs> I, fence, Tim. I liked this movie. I, I remember being pretty happy with this movie, you know, not, I didn't think it was perfect by any stretch, but like being decently happy with Superman returns when it first came out. I don't think I'd watched it since it was in theaters though. I definitely liked it less this time around than when I last saw it. It's nice as a nostalgia bomb and like as a visit to that, Donner Superman era, like especially having just watched that and having a lot of good feelings about those, like especially the first movie and then less the second movie. Definitely the Donner cut, cut of the second movie. Yeah, definitely the Lester cut. Fuck that oh. shit. 
but it's just tonally really messy. Like, it's really clear that Singer does not get Superman because, like, he would never do all this fucking creepy, jealous stalker shit that he does in this fucking movie. And this movie's way too goddamn long. So, yeah, there's some redeeming elements to it, but it's not a great Superman movie for me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, who wants to do the, the, the plot recap of Superman Returns? I mean, I got it done. I got it down. So <laughs> I, mean, like... I, I mean, I feel like Tim needs to do it because I'm going to be biased one way and Mark's going to be biased the other way. We yeah, need to absolutely. Get down the middle to, to kind of be the referee here. <laughs> no, host doesn't do it. That's that's against yeah, that's whatever rule. whatever rules that we right. made for some reason. It was, reason. So, it was so, the rule I made so that I didn't have to recap fucking Batman. Batman and Rock doing those. Yeah, exactly. So here's how we're going to do it. Mark, you take like one paragraph of summary, <laughs> and I'll take the other paragraph of summary. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just interject. I'm going to say for entertainment value, we're going to let Mark do it, and we'll Boom. just <laughs> hate always wins. Wait, that's not the fucking lesson we're supposed to be taking from this. But... <laughs> no, that's the lesson from the from the uh, DCEU Superman movie. Not from this one. <laughs> kind of, kind of the lesson. This I don't. Is there a lesson from this one? Because you might have to walk me through that also. <laughs> All right, I'll get you there. So let's just get let's just fucking pull the band aid off, boys. Uh, we start on a text card. Always a sign that we edited something out and need to catch you up awkwardly to tell our awkward story. Hey, they could have given us another fucking like awkward shoehorn like retelling of the origin and they didn't. And I'm grateful for that. They didn't need to do the origin. What they needed to do was show us why Superman fucking left town as opposed to just like, hey, he's back. Yeah. Be excited. (laughs) What? Okay. Either way. So we were immediately back to Richard Donner's vision of Krypton for three seconds and then it goes kaboom and it's very pretty like the effects in this movie i will give the move like the production is weird sometimes but also like the effects are fucking spectacular in this movie so i'll give mm-hmm. it that one we're right back marlon brando's voiceover is back john yeah, williams score is back again to get those fucking uh all that brando footage again yeah well that's why the donner cut happened right because they they wanted to use it for this and then yeah. that was that opened the door for all this stuff to happen so yeah Either way, we kick right into the opening credits and we start the movie with an old woman dying, which is how I want my superhero movies to start. Not only an old woman dying, but uh, a Lois Lane dying. Yeah, that's the uh, Lois Lane from the TV show, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, like it's Noel Neal. Yeah, Noel Neal, who played uh, Lois Lane in the 50s uh, Superman like serials and TV show. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the woman is signing documents to a absolutely horribly wigged sex predator. So Kevin Spacey is, I'm going to call him horrible things throughout this whole recap. So be prepared. Yep. So he tells Parker Posey, who is horribly wasted in this film, they're done now. And all the family is scowling at them like they're cartoons. Even the dog is looking at them like they're angry at them. It's just like, Okay, that's cool. Okay, that's probably the dog that gets fucking eaten later. Yeah, it might be one of the. Yeah, we'll we'll what get the to fuck, that. Brian so they got their money and they just fucking bounce. Great. Martha Kent does dishes and then uh, Clark Ship again crashes into a field in uh, Kansas that nobody notices. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely no satellites or anything at this point. That no, not 2006. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or whatever fucking year this is. Well, yeah, I mean, it could be 1972 for all we know at this point. So who knows? <laughs> he shows Martha goes out and like you know cradles Clark as he's in the ship and he, she's so happy that he's back. I don't know how old she's supposed. To, didn't she die in one of these? She was dead at the end of four. So she sh- where? Yeah, but that all that shit's gone. Looks like this, this retcon's out two and three and most of 
or three and four and like big fucking chunks of two as well. Yeah, but like she wasn't in two. Like they don't acknowledge her in two. So she may as well have been dead in that one also. <laughs> so like now we're going back to Mock Hens alive. Either well, way. Well, fuck, Lois is still knocked up in this one. And like Clark fucking undid that in at the end of two. So either way, Kumar <laughs> is navigating a boat for sex pests <laughs> and Parker Posey. He's trying to try to find fucking White Castle, but <laughs> yeah, you can't find White Castle. He also has lost Harold, so it's just this is a mess. And he can't talk. Yeah, and he also has completely lost his ability to speak, which is kind of funny. I was, actually, I wrote that in my note. Is this the one where he doesn't have any lines? And I was like, oh yeah, it is. Like later on, I wrote it like, yeah, it totally was the one where he doesn't have lines. Yeah. So I, it's impossible to tell either way if he has lines because Sex Pest is just in there and has so much dialogue and he's doing like a low energy Gene Hackman, I think. That's my Except commentary. for the times when he like dials it up to like 15. Five hundred like, and starts yeah, screaming. Yeah. yeah. Starts screaming at Lois and shit. He's very much doing Gene Hackman, which is what I like about it. Like he's not doing the comic book Lex Luthor. He's not doing like the super genius, like businessman, criminal mastermind. He's doing like used car salesman who got caught up in a scheme way <laughs> too big for him. Yeah, I see. It's weird because like, like the Hackman version is at least like affable and like you don't like you don't hate him. You know what I mean? Whereas like this Lex Luthor is just like immediately the worst prick in the planet. <laughs> and then it gets worse from there. Like, But, but that makes sense. Like if this is the, the Lex Luthor who in the first one would like had his big idea and had it get squashed by Superman and went to jail for five years. Like he's going to come out bitter and he's going to come out angry and he's going to come out like he's still going to be like the same like striving wannabe super criminal with the inability to pull any of that off. But he's going to be like a curdled version of that. Like that's why he's marrying a rich widow and then waiting for her to die. That's why he's willing to eat a dog like that. That's why well, he, he didn't eat the dog. Well, there's an implication at the end of the movie that he's about to eat a dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah they, they, make that, they make that implication. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, so when, he's, when he's on one of those like fucking Captain Jack Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, islands at the end of the movie. Speaking yeah. Of- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a logical progression from the original Superman to the characters as we see them in this movie. And Luther is a very good example of that. Like he's still recognizably the same Lex Luthor. He's still kind of campy. He's still got all the wigs. He's still a little bit over the top. He's still like the same innate character, even though it's been 30 years and he's being played by a different actor. But it seems like it's a logical progression from where we leave Lex Luthor at the end of Superman to where we meet Lex Luthor at the beginning of Superman Returns, which is an attention to detail that I really like. And that that kind of keeps popping up again and again. Like there's so much in this movie that it's it's kind of like a combination sequel, reboot, remake to the original Superman. you're saying this like that's a good thing like it's a (laughs) it's a horrible patchy mess of shit because of that (laughs) i I, I like how all of that is in there because if you're positioning this as a sequel to the original superman you want it to be you want it to play of a piece with with that first one which is why like it kind of works for me that the it's like art deco 1940 stylization but with cell phones and flat screen tvs and you know space shuttles that are flying on top of airplanes because that stuff works for me like in the animated series world like that art deco-y world like it it feels timeless timeless kind of world but here it just makes it anachronistic and weird to me in this and like why is everything sepia toned except for superman (laughs) superman's not sepia toned everything else is sepia toned 
but so this is something that I wrote down. Like Superman is like the he's like the bright shining hope of the movie, and therefore he's got more color in him than anybody else. Especially his fucking like, eyeballs, bright red, and he's bright blue, and he's not he's not grays and blacks and navy blues. Like he is the one. Yeah, that that's the next out. movie we're reviewing in this exactly, series. I think. Exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't want to mention those, but uh, if we have to, we have to. But like yeah. he represents what other supermen in other superman movies claim to represent but do not symbolically or visually or textually represent okay um, we're gonna i'm gonna have a lot of questions for you about like what he represents when he's stalking his ex later on in the movie <laughs> so and, and, we'll and, get to that uh, <laughs> uh so where, where are we at here uh, and I think that it pulls it off. Uh, admirably. I, did you? Did you I fucking see your plan point. this lens? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I he did not. Crazier I, than you do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I see your point. I agree with parts of it. I don't. For me, Singer doesn't pull it off as well as I think you feel like he does. I, I think. Yeah. I think I hard agree with that. In that, like, <laughs> all these things are what Singer was trying to do and fucking failed. Yeah, I think horrifically badly at is how I. See I def. It. Yeah, I definitely so. <laughs> agree that that was the intent, but I I disagree in terms of how well it was executed. Executed. Yeah, uh, and I disagree even more about how it was executed. So. <laughs> Oh, and I even, I even agree that it, that it's an admirable intent, but I'm, I'm I don't gonna, think Singer was the right guy. <laughs> I'm gonna wait over. like let's look at let's look at like the uh, like the sequence with the airplane rescue. Let's 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 finish let's we'll finish. Get the, we'll, get we'll get to that part in the plot, and then, and then you and I can have it out. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sad we're not in person, so that we can't just fucking fist fight it out. That's how, that's where it's going, I think, at this point. But either way, so they're on a boat. He's decided that he needs to cut what the fuck something about promethean fire because he he believes that clark should have shared his technology which technology probably yeah you probably should have also he probably shouldn't have left the fortress of solitude unlocked so just anybody <laughs> can walk into it yeah because that's where it's we're like, at now. especially considering like fucking lex knows lex where is, it is lex definitely knows where it is and has been there and has seen fucking like uh kal-el like work it work and then the also uh he's probably well aware that deadbeat kal-el has fucked off off the planet for five years and he's just gonna be able to walk <laughs> into the fortress with no problems whatsoever so this is like a plus planning on superman's part i got a long paragraph about why <laughs> superman is the worst superman in cinematic comic book tv or anything history he's a complete moron in this movie either way so he asks about crystals we find out that these crystals <sighs> are stored in the Antarctic, are surrounded by ice, and react to water. Yeah. (laughs) He has water in his fingers. Like, why didn't it react when it touched his hand and, like, (laughs) kill him? I don't know. Either way. All right. So he asks about the crystals to Jor-El. Jor-El kind of tells them uh, infinite possibilities, and the sex pest ends up doing (laughs) real estate scheme again because that's that's, true to fucking form. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Move. It's, yeah, he's got he's got one fucking shtick, and it's he's the worst Lex Luthor. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Lex Luthor, man of a million plans, just reduced. Except it. it's one plan three fucking times. But Lex Luthor in Superman is not the man of a million plans. He is no, a man he's not. In way over his head. So that, <laughs> yeah. that, that's the thing. Like it is, it is indebted to that first movie. This is yeah. that Lex Luthor. Like it can't be super genius president of the United States, Lex Luthor. It has to be guy in a crappy suit with a crappier wig. Like that, 
See, I would it would all work better if like I actually like enjoyed the performance the way I enjoyed Gene Hackman's performance as just supposed to be just being like, well, this is the worst Kevin Spacey performance, and now he's a sex predator that I don't want on my screen. So <laughs> yeah. like this is a tough sit for me when it comes like, to him. This has to be, he has to be playing a character who you can believably like see walking down the hallway in a in a bathrobe brushing his teeth. Like yeah. that is like a <laughs> that's what, that, yeah, that's like, one of those weird this like, yeah. He's a goofy, unguarded, average guy who like yeah. ha- who like tried to do something that was way beyond his pay grade and failed miserably, and now out of revenge is trying to do something even further beyond his pay grade. Like he's, <laughs> he's a petty little middle manager. He like because that's who he was in the first movie. Yeah, so that's who he it's just not the Lex Luthor that I want him to be either. You know what I mean? Like we just talked yeah. about. We did the animated show like uh, in the last Superman episode. I'm like Clancy Brown, Lex Luthor is like gospel Lex Luthor to me. This is like, I like the Gene Hackman one because I like Gene Hackman. And this is a pale imitation of the Gene Hackman one. And it's also like, I can't believe how bad Kevin Spacey is in this. Like when I'm watching it, you know, like (laughs) I have the complete opposite reaction. Like this is one of his worst performances of this era. Cause like, I like, he's amazing in seven. He's fantastic in usual suspects. What was the other one you mentioned yesterday? American 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 Beauty. beauty was like kind of around this. And like, this is just baffling to me. But either way, let's get through this plot because otherwise we're going to be here all fucking night and I'm going to hang myself because I hate talking about this movie. So Clark wakes up in Smallville. He flashes to being a kid. So we get some 2006 effects reel shots of Clark learning to fly. Clark throws a... Fun. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh, Clark throws a ball too far for his dog. He watches the news. This is a dick move. The fucking oh. dog's just like, whoa, I yeah. can't go get it. This, this is like, this movie drags like crazy in big chunks. And it's, it seems I like this, like they make it drag. Cause he's like, he's watching the news. She says something about five years. He says Krypton was a graveyard and he's all alone. And she's like, no, you're not. Sad emo Superman. And he's sad emo Superman. So now he's just like, sorry, Ma, I got to fucking go see about my baby mama. That I, do, yeah. that I don't really seem to know about. But that I, that I fucked and then mind wiped. <laughs> <laughs> Tim said it, not me. Uh, absolutely fantastic, right? So uh, Clark bumbles into the new Jimmy and Franklin Jellas Perry. Clark stows his bags and watches the news again. Does just watching TV all fucking movie. You know yeah, that's, what I, that's what I want to see Superman doing. Yes, is watching TV. He's in the bar with Jimmy <laughs> drinking and shit. I'm like watching TV. I'm like, don't you have things to do? And, and that bartender, back- that bartender was the Jimmy Olsen from the 50s uh, Superman show, uh, Jack Larson. I hate you both right now. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, uh, Clark stows his bags. Yeah, so they they go for a drink. Everything looks color graded weirdly. And this is where you start getting close ups of Clark and you can see the strange color of his eyes and the weird blurring on his face, like the weird after effects thing they were doing to him. I don't know what happened there. Um, Either way, so he's he's getting there and he's he's awkwardly looking at her stuff and he sees the Pulitzer that she won for the article about why the world doesn't need Superman, which apparently after five years, it does not. Which was basically just her way of like getting over the fact that he fucked off the yeah. planet and left her to raise a kid on her own. Yeah, super kid that's gonna cause some real problems in a couple of years. <laughs> and, and some dudes like he is in this. Like the good part that's that plays into his arc. Like it's him finding his. I say all of this just finds it's just awkward and like he's a, a weird creep because he fucked her and took off and like left her with a kid. All of it tracks weird yeah. to me. So either way, <laughs> oh, where were we at here? Uh, yeah, so he's all over her desk, and then, like, he finds the kid, the picture of her with, like, uh, Cyclops, and the kid, and he snaps (laughs) the frame, and this is all super awkward, like, just incredibly awkward. So we move, 
now it kind of goes back and forth because yeah we're getting to the plane sequence so like first of all listening to sex pest at this point is exhausting me (laughs) i'm so tired of listening to kevin spacey by this point in the movie this is about 30 minutes in and like he has had 500 lines of dialogue and they're all obnoxious. They do. They really fucking dwell on him and it's so hard yeah. in retrospect to watch. <laughs> it really is. Um, apparently the crystal reacts to water. So this is great. Why is this stored in ice? I don't, I don't know. I, I, we talked about this already, but it's just, I don't know. Um, Clark is having a drink with Jimmy. They gossip about Lois. We flash over to the jet where a space shuttle is going to be launched from the back of a jetliner. Lex does an experiment with a fleck of the crystal. It doesn't do anything. And the power goes out and the crystal starts to grow and causes an EMP, I guess, is what we're led to believe. Yeah, is that ever really? I think somebody says EMP at some point. It could yeah. be either that or power drain. Like it's just sucking the, sucking the power. I don't know. Whatever. Crystals, whatever you want to do. They can do anything. They're crystals. Yeah. They're Krypton right. crystals, especially. Right. So they can do whatever <laughs> you want them to do. Um, so the jet goes power dead. Uh, there's a weird scene where the little town model shakes apart and the sound effects of screams are played over it. And it's super weird. Then there was I didn't notice little, that you didn't notice that when all no. the models are like like the pl- the trains are crashing and shit's falling on the little model people. There's sound effects of them dying. It's probably Lex having like a power fantasy, right? Yeah, but like, why is it in the movie? It's <laughs> yeah. just weird. <laughs> it's just strange because there's screams and shit playing over it. Either way, so we cut to the jet where the new shuttle needs to fucking get let whatever like it needs to release the shockwave or the EMP or whatever has caused that system to malfunction. So now it's stuck and it's turbo booster is about to go off. So it's going to go into orbit, but it's still attached to the jet and things are nuts, but uh, don't worry about it. Cause Clark's just sitting there watching TV. Uh, and all of this news is like right on the news immediately as it's happening. So he is able to leave and, you know, do Superman stuff. Now this is a cool sequence. I will give this sequence. Like it's dope. It as is. Fuck, right. But like, this is what, like how many of these movies have we watched now? I feel like this is like the eighth time that we've watched like Superman try and stop a plane from crashing. Yeah. This is the best one though. They just, they just keep going back to it. These filmmakers It's just like, well, that, what can we have them do? I don't know. Let's have them save a fucking plane full of people. That's a good one. But I mean, it's basically the same beat as like saving the helicopter in the first one or like saving air force one. Because you're just repeating the same shit because they didn't write a, a new script. It's exactly the same story as <laughs> Superman 1. It's Ghostbusters 2. This is Ghostbusters 2 of Superman movies. So, so let's talk about the airplanes. Done so, horrifically. Which <laughs> better effects? In general, like Superman taking something that is blind is, is a good use of Superman's abilities. Like that that plays well on screen. Like you get It's to the most super thing that he does in this fucking uh, movie. So he doesn't, he doesn't get to fight anything. He rips the wing off like a dumb fuck. Like he's never handled a plane before. Just in terms of like they keep reusing this beat. It's like yes, but it is a very representative beat of like showing off what yeah. Superman can do. So it makes sense. Like this is like the evolved version of that helicopter. Yeah. Like when we were talking Absolutely. about the helicopter scene, like it's good and it works, but it is also like very hokey and very by today's standard, like very low budget. This is this is like okay. If, if we were going to make that movie today, here is what that sequence would look like. It wouldn't be a helicopter hovering a few feet off a building. It would be a freaking airplane with a spaceship attached to it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Right out of Man of Steel. Yeah, like we, wouldn't, like we wouldn't like, you know, just like set it down here on the street. We'd set it down in the middle of a baseball stadium. Yeah, like, and then not fucking and just leave it there. They were playing baseball, <laughs> the poor guys. Not, like, what are they? They weren't going to keep playing the game. <laughs> Could at least move the plane, not fuck off. So, but it's like, it, that's one of the, the, like, you know, the remake, callback, reboot, sequel things, like, really kind of works. Because, so, you're doing this thing that you know worked really well and is really emblematic of the first movie in particular. 
but you're doing it in a modern way that is more attractive to modern audiences who have never seen Superman on screen like this before. But then you've got the button yeah. at the end of it, which is Superman saying the statistically it's still the safest way to travel line, as though that is like his canned, prepared, uh, this is how I read yeah. people after an aerial disaster line. Like it's this, is, this is what Superbot says when yeah, there's an I, airplane that goes down. Like, it's just this <laughs> line, like hey, this is how I'm going to be reassuring. This is how I'm going to let you know that yeah. everything's okay. Like it makes him feel like he's Christopher Reeve's Superman. Well, that's because they had him repeat the line in exactly the same exactly the same fucking line. line. Like he does have a complete impression. It, it functions as like a as a like nostalgia hit. Like, hey, remember this thing that you liked? He's saying the thing again. Yeah. But it also, yeah. it also is like consistent characterization. Like, this is who this guy is. This is how he behaves. This is the kind of things that he says. So it it draws that line directly in a way that reminds you, like, yes, this is the same character that he was in 1978. It's just, you know, it, we're, we just have to accept that it's no longer 1978. And this isn't a direct sequel, but we're making it as close to feeling like a direct sequel as we possibly can. Which is, again, like, it could have just been the Family Guy style, like, hey, we're referencing the thing that you like moment. But it's positioned <laughs> within the film in a way that makes it more than that. And it's more than just, you know, read like, oh, we're just going to remake the old movie, but we're going to do it with better effects. Like it makes it feel like it's its own thing, but it is still of a piece with the thing that came before it, which is a level of thoughtfulness that doesn't always happen when you're doing something like this. Like you can just crap out another Jurassic World movie and just be like, okay, like this, yeah, there's more dinosaurs and, and that's all you have to do. But this has a level of like thought and intent behind it as though like they are really trying to make the movie that like they're trying, they're acting as though they're trying, they're trying. (laughs) So Steven, to be fair. And this is the sequel that came out in 2006. Yeah. And and I get that. Like, you know, watching, having, you know, we've watched all of these movies in like a two month span, which wasn't fucking meant to be done, right? Uh, No, honestly, watching Mark and I are going insane. I'm fucking losing my mind right now at these movies. (laughs) Like, I'm got another one that I hate coming up. I'm just like, this is terrible. Don't hate. You've We've both talked about like Man of Steel being a decent movie. Yeah, I have a real problem with Kevin Costner in that movie we're going to talk about. Yeah, (laughs) that that is a problem. Uh, Yeah. Problems not with Kevin Costner, problems People put words in Kevin Costner's mouth. But again, not this episode. I will say one thing about that movie. I do think it's funny that in this movie, Lex Luthor has a line that Kevin Costner essentially has in Man of Steel, except one is Superman's dad and the other is Lex freaking Luthor. Like, like, where these movies are falling on the alignment. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, like, so so this whole thing, like, with, say, you know, the plane save, like, it's just, it feels like... like rehashing something again for me or like for us just because we've seen it a number of times in the past like couple of months but like yeah when this came out in 2006 and the last time we'd had a live action superman movie was 20 plus years before that like yeah i get it like okay it's it it's been long enough that a fresh take on that is okay and yes this is a better version of it than we've seen before although i still think like at this point in superman's career He's probably experienced enough to do this shit without tearing a fucking wing off the plane. The other problem with this sequence is like why that sequence still works. And like we praised that sequence when we reviewed it. And based on one thing and one thing alone, the fucking chemistry between Chris Reeve and Margot, which is completely absent. absent. They have no chemistry at all. This is a much less horny movie than that was to begin. <laughs> that was the funny part when we were reviewing it. Like, holy shit! Remember how horny? Like, I didn't realize how fucking horny yeah, this like, movie is. It's just like, 
everything yeah. sex and boners and blah 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 blah. blah. Hey. But, but on the other hand, this if, is like this is the Superman, nunnery version of Superman, man. Like, like it's Superman, no fucking happening here. If Superman slept with Lois Lane and then fucked off the Krypton for five years and then came back, Lois is probably not going to be as horny for Superman as she was. Oh no. First met. She still seems pretty horny for him, though. To be fair, like, she, well, she she does. She but she plays this in those beginning phases like the jilted lover who like cannot believe that this ex is back in her life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is which like, like, especially again, like, like given what the situation is, a hundred percent valid. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> the, that's a take that I'm like, yeah, that makes sense that she was yeah. kind of weird <laughs> uh, after he knocked her up and fucked off, and also maybe wiped her wine, wine wiped her. Yeah, and like. If you watch all the sequels, by the time the fourth one comes around, it's implied he mind wiped her like sixty eight times. So, like, <laughs> this Superman it's not a good dude. Like he's just like not a good dude. This Superman, really. Like, yeah, but like, well, I agree that like Reeve and Kidder have much, much, much better chemistry than Jonah <laughs> and Kate Bosworth do. Like their their kind of animosity in that scene, like it's it it feels like just like Spacey's performance as Luther, like the way that he is kind of curdled in the interim between Superman and Superman returns. Like it does feel true to the character that Lois Lane is kind of curdled a little bit in Superman's absence. Oh yeah. See, Uh, I'm, I'm good with that argument in, in the star Wars movies. Like I'm okay with Luke becoming like a dour fucking dejected fuck in, in last Jedi kind of thing. No, no, we're not doing a last Jedi argument now, Tim. I can't, (laughs) but it doesn't, but it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. here. I'm leaving the podcast, Tim. I can't do it anymore. (laughs) I'm not doing a last Jedi argument on top of talking about Superman returns. And I think that like, I do, I like, I, okay. So I won't bring up last Jedi, but so (laughs) to use that as last Jedi is great. Sorry. I'm clicking stop guys. I can't do it. (laughs) But if we're bringing that up, like I do agree that it makes sense for Luke to be this like, you know, curdled old man, but that's because there has been like, there's a direct line of continuity from return of the Jedi to the force awakens. Whereas Mm. it's like, there is not that direct line. Like they have to spackle over a lot of stuff, which is why you get the text opening, which is why you get people watching TV, which is why you get so many like Jimmy exposition. Oh my God. There's a, there's a lowest exposition scene where she's sitting with Richard. That's just like the worst piece of writing I've ever seen. Because essentially like you have to bring people up to speed on a movie that, you know, like it, it it just has such a high degree of difficulty if you're eliminating two and a half movies worth of continuity <laughs> and, all, and then make a sequel to a movie that came out in 1978. Like that is, that See, is the argument then is to not do this. They did it is the thing. Like, I think that it was a really interesting idea. And while it does have some inherent limitations, I think that the end product is much more rewarding because while you do have to spackle over a lot of stuff, the core of the movie is still building off of Marlon Brando. It's still built <laughs> off of the opening sequence in on Krypton. Like it's not starting over. It's just it's bringing things back up to speed. Like like imagine if there hit like if the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies had been Tom Holland Spider Man movies, and then all of a sudden don't Tom do that Holland to Tom Holland. Why would you want to no, do that no, to Tom Holland? Holland. But like, and then imagine after all that time, Tom Holland shows up in Cap- in Captain America: Civil War. Like there's a there would be a much more lived in history there that you would feel and understand. 
Whereas, you know, like Tom Holland shows up and he's he's Spider-Man from minute one, like he's perfect in Civil War and he's perfect as that character. But it's that that is reliant on affection for the character from previous versions of him as opposed to affection for the character from this particular performance and from this particular version of the character. Uh, So it's just like it's two different things like it's it's weird and it's unwieldy and it's ambitious. But I think that the payoff of Superman doing I get it comes the sun monologue at the end of the movie is worth like all of that hand holding. (laughs) I'm starting to understand where Steven's coming from, because like as a film student, that's why this is like the only reason it's interesting. interesting It's not interesting as a terrible fucking idea that never should have been made, but was made anyway. (laughs) And you get to kind of look at it as a film student be like wow why right yeah and the, i mean and some people steven steven obviously enjoyed the shit out of it in that way and then yeah, i'm on the other end of the spectrum as a, another film student who's just like why <laughs> it's weird and it's unwieldy but like the like the moment where it where everything comes like those moments when everything comes into focus and like you really do feel like you're like okay Brandon Routh, like let's talk about Brandon Routh. <laughs> okay. oh, yeah, well, <laughs> let's let's get through. Let's get through the okay, fucking plot, and then you can just rant at me all the time, and then I'm just going to tell <laughs> you you're wrong, and then we'll just finish the episode. It'll be real easy. It's all right, let's, easy. let's go. Let's go. All right, so he's yeah, plane, so, plane full of people again. Plane full of people. He's landed the thing. He just takes off after saying his little line. All the reporters are clamoring for him. He's got a little narcissist moment where he's like, "Ooh, but the people still love me. This is real nice." <laughs> Bask in the Bask glow. in some glory. The <laughs> yeah. pro wrestler style walks out onto the ramp and just stands there for a second. I was like, <laughs> "All right." Lois takes for fucking ever to get to him from wherever she is on the plane. Also, he fucks off. She got fucking she, tossed around like a rag doll. She kicked plane, out of her. So, yeah, like, I, she's I, got some like from. She's like in. Sh- shock and probably has some broken bones she should be dead she hits a fucking bulkhead at like (laughs) yeah yeah she decelerated velocity like like she was she hit the bulkhead hard either way um he just takes off she faints immediately and slides down because this lois lane just can't stay awake for three minutes it's fine (laughs) so we flash back real quick to luther who's looking at the crystal having grown a grown a giant boner in the middle of his mansion (laughs) We go to the planet real quick where Perry is assigning stories. Perry and Lois argue while Clark fucking eavesdrops the whole time because he's a creep until the kid shows up. Lois finally greets Clark. We're fucking an hour into this movie and our main characters are finally (laughs) meeting. This is great. We meet Cyclops, who is Perry's nephew and is engaged to Lois. His name is Richard White. I'm still going to call him Cyclops. Because he left <laughs> X-Men 3 to do this movie. Also, that's why they got... Ostensibly the actual fucking hero of this movie, Richard White here. <laughs> I was going to talk about that later when he actually is the hero of this movie. <laughs> uh, towards the end. All of this is awkward. Either way, uh, Lex reads the newspaper and decides to rob a museum. He walks by his guy who's stolen something from the boat, which is a launcher. Like they're putting together the missile launcher they're going to use later. All this extra stuff that obviously was they just left in the movie that could have been cut and then explained in dialogue some other way. But either way, uh, Clark is creepy in the elevator. Uh, that seems really weird. Where he's like staring at her, and it's like, no, yeah. he's, he's he is he's awkward in the elevator because like Brandon Routh is playing Clark is just this kind of awkward weird dude who like okay Brandon Routh like looks like he's chart chiseled out of marble in this movie like. His his performance is, as Clark Kent is very different from Christopher Reeves in that like Reeves was able to kind of like grow and shrink as like as the yeah. moment required for it. Whereas with Reeves, like you're never not aware that he is like 225 pounds of pure muscle at this point. Oh, you mean Ralph uh, now? 
like no, Ralph, yeah, Ralph, Ralph in the movie. Yeah, you said Reeve, sorry. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry, I meant Ralph. Like, you're always, like, you you could be, like, you could look at Reeve and think, like, you know, he's not that huge. And then, like, he pulls himself up to full height, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's Superman. With Ralph, <laughs> like, he always looks enormous. Like, he always looks like Superman. But, he, you know, when he's got the hair down and he's got the glasses on and he's giving these, like, goofy little waves or when he's eating his chow mein and he's got noodles hanging out of his <laughs> like he he's so good at playing, like, this awkward goofball character. The affable. And, yeah, yeah, like, I totally believe that, like, Richard and Lois could have a conversation where basically they say, do you think Clark is Superman? And then just start laughing hysterically about it because how could this goofball be that guy? And that's that's all in Rouse like choices that he's making is like you know acting like he doesn't know how to stand like a puppy. I'm sorry, man. I can't see choices. Body. I see impression. He's just doing Christopher Reeve. Like he's well, not no, because, really acting. He's, no, he's doing it in a, like I think he's doing it in a very different way where he's relying less on physicality mm. and and like and voice because like Superman and Clark Kent have very different voices in Reeve's performance, but he's he's relying on like on per, on atmosphere and gesture and like the way that he the way that he reacts, like that he turns into screen when he's just like, like kind of weirdly like, Oh, am I supposed to be here? Uh, like he, he's acting like somebody who doesn't have full control of his body yet. Like he's a puppy who's just learning how to walk and who hasn't grown into his paws yet. So like, even though like in that elevator scene, like he towers over everybody by a solid six inches, he's so weird and he's so out of place that he seems alien, but not in the Superman way. Like he seems alien in like the Vulcan kind of way, but he's this weird being who has been sent here or I'm watching fringe right now. He seems like an observer who just like does not belong here and is here to like learn human patterns of behavior. And that, that as Clark is out of place in a lot of different ways. He's an alien on earth, but also he's the kid from small, who goes to metropolis like he doesn't belong and ralph is very good at playing a person who doesn't feel like they belong in a superhero movie that's i want to rewatch this movie with steven's brain because like <laughs> if you this he's describing a completely different movie than the hor- pile of horseshit that i said this, this is week, that's, so that's why this is fascinating is in, in, yeah it really is tomorrow and uh as playing ray palmer the adam in in the arrowverse because like ray palmer is like a guy who is chiseled out of marble, but is also a huge, awkward nerd. Like his take on Ray Palmer is what if Clark Kent and Superman were the same person and had no alter ego and no secret identity, which is why like, I I think the movie could give him more to do as Superman. And I don't know if that was a, if that's a commentary on the writing or on his limitations as an actor at that point in his career. Although then again, he's really good to Scott Pilgrim, which came out only a couple years later, but he's so locked in as Clark Kent that it makes me completely believe that like that he's the type of that you could look at him and then look at Superman and never make the connection. Like he sells that in a very different way for me, but he sells it in a very effective manner. Yeah, I have no major issue with with Rao's performance. It's just the fucking script. Yeah, I like I think that, that that's probably the biggest failing is that when he's Superman, like he is he is only Superman and he doesn't get to put a whole lot of personality into that. Really, the only time that he does is when he's talking to Lois on the rooftop, uh, because you can't do a Lois Lane Superman rooftop scene and it not go well. <laughs> but like his performance as Clark Kent is is weird, but it's weird in a really effective way. 
Uh, is is that an admission of victory? Did I? No. Did I? <laughs> no. is, that, is that exhaustion, or is that is that an admission of defeat? No, that's uh, it's a preparation for battle, is what it actually is. <laughs> Jesus. So either uh, way, she rants about people saying goodbye, and then I don't know what the, where the fuck am I? Did I lose something? I think I missed something. Are we on the? Are we on? Yeah, we're basically at like the rooftop scene. So yeah, they're, scene they're having yeah. So she goes, he goes to get them food, and like he goes to the roof, and they meet, and this like see he described it as this fun scene where I was just like, this is like he's begging for sex, and <laughs> then she awkwardly gives it to him, and they go flying together. It's kind of how it read to me, but I mean, in Steven's world. It's a much better scene. I, I see, see, well, like you are coming to this from a different perspective because I buy yeah, his yeah. Superman is like very asexual. Like I get that. I get a sense of like, see, that's, that's, it's so I weird. Cause Superman's it. never been an asexual thing. Like he, every version of Superman's horny for yeah. Lois Lane or wonder woman or everybody. But this is so. a Superman who left Lois Lane, who was like, no, there are more yeah. important things to me than Lois Lane. Like, I, I still have the, like it all goes back to the son becomes the father and the father becomes the son. Like he feels this this stronger attraction to who he is as a as a Kryptonian as opposed to who he is as a person. Like the Kal El side of him is so much stronger than the but Clark that, side at this point. But that doesn't track as as that doesn't track as Superman the character as somebody that has read Superman for thirty years. Like Superman, the Superman is like Superman is the mask. Clark is the guy. He that that's the real person. Yeah, that's not these movies because he was reprogrammed in the first movie by Jarrell to be like Kyle, right? right? Well, like yes, and that's this the thing, isn't like, that Superman. Marlon Brando. These movies are turned, terrible. I'm no, just saying. No, 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 no. no you are. You, you are. So no, like, you're I can't so wait to watch Man of Steel. You're so close. So, like, yes, he is programmed by his father. The father has tra- essentially transferred himself into his son. Jor-El is living on through Kal-El because Brando just spent however many years reprogramming this baby's, this, like, child's brain into behaving like he's Marlon Brando. And in this movie, like, it, it works as a diptych. Like, this is him deprogramming and learning that, no, there's more to this. Like, I have greater responsibilities beyond just being like Superman beyond just being a hero. Like I can be an individual as well. Like I am not just what my father wanted me to be. I am my own person with my own desires and my own responsibilities. I can be Superman and I can be Clark Kent. I can save the world and I can have a son who I need to be a good father to and who I need to set a good example for. That's why oh I like my God. I can't even imagine the sequels to what this <laughs> oh, is. That's why I like this movie <laughs> well, it doesn't rehash the origin because in this movie's universe, we just saw that origin in a in a different movie. That other movie just happened to have come out in 1978. Like it's a whole big mess of contradictions, but it, <laughs> I really like that about it. Like I like right. this, I like big <laughs> We're on the same page there, at least. <laughs> I, 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 I love a big ambitious sci-fi fantasy mess. So do uh, I when it works. Yeah, me too. I, I don't need it. Like I don't need it to work. <laughs> I just love the mess for the mess. Although I do. <laughs> So Superman takes Lois flying again, and it there's nowhere near as much chemistry as there was in the first two movies. Yeah. So um, where was I at here? So she, she rants about people saying goodbye. Clark super whistles her a cab after this super. So she takes off to go home, and Superman flies off after her to listen to her and her husband have a conversation. He bounces and hears Jarrell. He's floating above the earth. He listens and he hears something and then goes really slowly because there's a bunch of shots where he should have probably gotten to that car a lot faster. But we cut away and 
he gets shot in the eye and we get to see Lex walk into the museum where I think he's going to steal the kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, that's where he steals the kryptonite. And then uh, it's, oh, it's Kitty Kowalski, uh, Parker yeah, Posey's character, character, is in a car that has had the brakes cut on it and she's driving through the city and killed, like pro- just murdered 58 people, but they don't show it on screen. <laughs> so it's like there's a bunch of dead people here. And this is where I'm questioning like, how long did it take Superman to get back to town while he was floating up there moping? Because like She's been screaming for a while. You'd think he'd have got there faster. Either way. <laughs> so he stops that, and they have a cute little thing. They have more chemistry. They should have flipped these actors. They do. <laughs> they should have flipped Parker these Parker Posey has actors. more chemistry with fucking Brandon Routh than, yeah. I wrote this in my notes. Uh, Kate, Bosworth. Kate Bosworth should have been, like, this character, and then screamed <laughs> for this scene. And then they should have had Parker Posey, who's got so much charisma, it oozes off of her in every scene she's in in this movie, and they don't do anything with I, her at actually, all. Actually, no, I love that. I, I love Parker Posey as, like, carrying on that uh, Margot Kidder role. I think that I think that would totally fucking yeah, work. That's, that's what I mean. Like, she'd be she'd have been better as Lois Lane. Uh, she's fine as the Miss Tessmacher stand-in here, because she's still got mm-hmm. those snarky good lines. So, like, Parker Posey is the this movie's uh, hidden gem, basically, for yeah, me, anyway. Like, she's kind of what got me yeah. through, because she's quite... I like Parker Posey though, so that's whatever. Yeah, cute, cute as shit, and fun, and always super snarky. And, yeah, and Canadian. Yep, also Canadian, which is great. So he's stolen the thing. This whole sequence should be way more exciting than it actually is. It just kind of plods along. <laughs> so Lois and Clark and Jimmy argue with Perry about stories. Perry assigns Lois Superman, and she's really pissed off about it. And Clark gets the blackout. Oh, this is where the flying happens. Sorry, it's after this other sequence. The flying oh, happens right, here, right? right. So, uh, Perry, so they decide that they need to like work together so that Lois can work the blackout angle she's obsessed with, with Clark, and then also they can kind of do the Superman story on the side so that Perry's not angry at them. But then she gets the Superman story because he goes and flies with her. So it's basically Clark kind of making up for being a dickbag by going and giving her this story very easily <laughs> kind of thing uh, when he goes up there for the flight with her. Parker Posey totally fucking punches Lex in the face for cutting her brakes, which is exactly what she should have done. I probably would have stabbed them with yeah, something, pretty but that's fine. to watch at this point. <laughs> yep, uh, that felt real good. They're mining kryptonite, and Lex stows a little kryptonite shank, which I guess speaks to theory about Lex having been in prison and being real angry, because he clearly knows how to make a prison shiv. So there we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Character consistency, I love it. There you go. <laughs> uh, now we get to watch Lois do exposition for Richard. This this is the scene where they kind of like talk about how big Superman is, and like he's kind of looking at Clark, and then they laugh because like how could it possibly be him? Except for the fact that like the kids staring at him like this fucking um, goofy guy. That, and... that guy's fucking Superman. Everybody, I don't know what you all are smoking, <laughs> uh, but the kid sees it right away, so that's great. Yeah, so yeah. Oh Lord. So she goes for the cigarette. This is where this is supposed to be cute, but they're flying and it's not as cute. So she writes a story and turns <laughs> it in into Perry, who's ecstatic, and then shoes her off because she's got I guess she just won the Pulitzer recently. Yeah, so it's like the ceremony. So now the ceremony's she happening. So she's she gets shooed off to that. Superman mopes up to the fortress at this point and now finally realizes that it's been tampered with. And gets real mad. Maybe he should have checked on his Kryptonian technology that he left fucking available to all these goofball humans or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the first things they should have gone and Why checked. didn't he lock it up, guys? <laughs> In the comics, he's got the key that only he can lift. He just yeah, left exactly. this shit open. <laughs> he's got like the dwarf star matter key that only he can lift or whatever. Oh man, if there's a Batman in this universe, he's gonna show up and just be like, "What the fuck, dude? Like, what the you're fuck? You're a fucking idiot, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Here's my kryptonite ring, right up your ass, because I have to do a lot of shit <laughs> while you were gone, fucking prick. Like, explain to Lois why she has a kid now. 
There anyway. is a Gotham callout. So there is a couple of Gotham callouts actually. They don't. They shows up on screen and then they actually say it in dialogue. So craziness. Uh, Superman mopes up to the fortress. Yeah, so he sees that it's been tampered with and he's super angry about it now. <laughs> <laughs> he's only got to be angry with himself at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you get for not leaving a lock on it. I guess you know what I mean. Like it could have cost you like <laughs> fifty bucks to go get some chain and a fucking master lock from Home Depot and just <laughs> done it up St. Catherine style. You know what I mean? Ghetto, ghetto, ghetto. Uh, Lois is doing some journalism stuff. Uh, she gets an address, which uh, she, of course, is now she's late to pick up her son and go to the ceremony, but she's going to go stop and check this address first. And the address is the mansion that Lex now owns. Uh, this is just, see, this is Lois 101 to me. Absolutely would Lois Lane put her children in danger to get a story? No. 100%. <laughs> no, that is the biggest fucking, like, stupid ball in this whole movie. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, here's this strange yacht. I'll just bring my, like, super fragile child onto this yacht that, onto this suspicious, pro- on this suspicious fucking property. That I think caused the giant power outage. So, like, some weird, and now Superman's back. So, like, in terms of, like, weird coincidences happening around her and Lois being a this good reporter. This is not anywhere I'm going to bring my kid. She's not a good reporter because she should be way smarter than what she's doing right here. But that's fine. It's cool. She also leaves her cell phone in the car, which is just like, even in 2006, that made me like. No, it's okay. There's a, there's a, it's okay. There's a fax machine. On it. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck makes a fax machine a like primary plot point, point of a fucking movie? Brian Singer. Jesus. He, you know? He's stuck in the 70s. Actually, stuck in the 40s, according to this fucking movie, but either way. <laughs> so she they just run right into Lex Luthor, who's standing there like brushing his teeth and shit. Which is funny. Which is funny. Which is a decent, a decent like humorous moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 That's that's okay. We cut back to the planet where Richard's looking for Lois. Perry tells Clark to help him. He goes and supermans it basically. Like, uh, we Lois gets to have sex pest explained to her another dumb fucking real estate thing, which also involves an extinction level event on Earth. So Lex shows them some kryptonite. It also which, involves another henchwoman who's like, "Wait a minute, are million are billions of people going to die if we well, do that's this?" That's why I said this is exactly the same story because her plot is exactly <laughs> the same as Miss Tessmacher's. Miss like, Tessmacher's, yeah, B. yeah, yeah. Uh, so. You know, so he notices that the kid kind of reacts to the kryptonite and mm. he starts getting suspicions, right? But he takes off. They're going to launch this thing into the ocean so that they can start the actual plot of this movie happening an hour and 58 <laughs> minutes into it. So great. Exactly. Two Richard hacks. Hour hour in, okay. Richard hacks into Lois's computer. This is such like, this is nineties. <laughs> this is nineties computer shit in a 2006 movie. It's really bad. <laughs> Clark immediately guesses that her password is Superman and it is Superman without any special characters or anything like that. So like just the worst security I've ever seen anywhere ever roll eyes. You know what I mean? It's 2006. Uh, you didn't have to have special characters in your fucking password in 2006. Yeah, no, but you should have <laughs> either way. Proper cybersecurity was always the same. Tim, you always have to be vigilant. Uh, scary moot guy plays the piano with the kid. He's got that fun little clown tattoo in the back of his head. Definitely a former Joker henchman. Yes, this guy's moved out from Gotham and is much happier working yeah, for who he's exactly. working for now than he was before. Exactly. Until he gets the piano dropped on his head. 
<laughs> he's the reason why the henchmen stick around. They're like, everybody's like, these guys are real fucking pricks since he's been out of prison. I'm like, I just work for the clown in Gotham. This guy's fucking yeah. nothing. Like, <laughs> it's a fucking nothing. dream compared to that. Mike, I got six guys shot in one job last time I did yeah, a job yeah. with, the, with the clown. This guy, this you, is great. You think I wanted this fucking tattoo? This was <laughs> given to me unwillingly. Yeah, his girlfriend gave it to me. She's <laughs> yeah, not exactly. a tattoo artist. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think she gave all those tattoos to him in the Jared Leto continuity, so it kind of tracks, right? Yeah, that was in, that was in Harley Quinn. Yep. Or, sorry, Birds of Prey. So, uh, Scary Moop Guy is playing piano with the kid. This scene goes on for fucking eternity also. So, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the It's the most tense fucking fax machine scene. Fax machine drama does not play out quickly. <laughs> <laughs> fax, fax machine thriller is exactly, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is a genre I need more so, of in my life. As, as we're as we're obviously joking about Lois sends a fax to the planet to signal where she is. 2006 guys, you know we're right on that cusp of digital life. The fact that she left her cell phone in her car in like to, to a 2021 person is just baffling. Like I, my phone. Yeah, I left my phone in my car in 20 in 2006, so I can't yell at her. I did that. <laughs> you're you're on your own. Uh, <laughs> so she sends the fax. The launch turns out to like the power again. The guy notices her fax, um, which means it's now it's time to kill her. And like this is a super creepy scene where it looks like like a huge sex crime is going to happen first, except the kid yeah. is Superman's son and fucking liquefies a human being. <laughs> fucking absolutely murders. Pulps this fucking enchilada. <laughs> yeah, this guy is enchilada on the wall. You know what I mean? Like pulpy enchilada mix on the wall. So like... <laughs> Uh, the other two guys who like were and in that there, Steinway piano is yeah, fucking wrecked too. Exactly. Well, that's like a three-ton piano. I think would have fucking destroyed that human being. You know what I mean? Actually, would have put a hole in the fucking hole if he'd really hooked it up. Superman power. But either way, the other two mooks come downstairs and see their buddy who's now liquid, and are like, <laughs> "We should probably put these guys in the pantry." I get if we can because they just liquefied our buddy <laughs> who was like six foot eight like he was the big one he's like he was the, yeah, like the, the, the big, big muscle right so yeah so they put them in the pantry the two <laughs> she asked him Kumar for help puts him in the pantry yeah uh <laughs> to, to make some fucking white castle burgers well see now the kid like, she's like can you help me and the kid's like in shock i've just murdered a man i'm just realizing now that i have superpowers and like my dad's not my dad i don't think i think the guy who flies around is my fucking dad you know what i mean like he's starting to put shit together in his head and he's going through he's in shock yeah basically, lights are starting to go off up there yeah <laughs> he's, he's just liquefied a man you know like that's got to <laughs> and how old is this kid supposed to be like he's wandering around like looking like he's 10 but like it's only been five years since he's been gone so like that's again it's this fucking continuity wise this movie is an absolute fucking disaster so either way he's got a lot of things that he's got like on his plate now and she's asking him for help and he's like mom you've been lying to me my whole life and I just brutally murdered a man so like <laughs> I need a minute you know fair enough uh the either way the two mooks tell lex what happened and he's it starts to like realize that like oh shit no, kumar yeah, doesn't I, kumar can't fucking tell him shit well no but so, what the, other mook. the other mook i didn't say kumar yeah. i said the other mook does <laughs> like kumar hasn't doesn't say anything <laughs> at all the entire movie there was a backstory apparently they cut out for him i feel bad for him you know but then he was on house which was a good oh show. yeah we, de- we definitely want more of that more this movie definitely needs to be longer to give kumar a fucking backstory at least like the backstory at least explains why superman left mm. that's what the back go read the tv tropes it's whatever it's better than what they gave us here which was text on the screen <laughs> so we get to the planet and jimmy 
who also stalks Lois, I believe, because he recognizes her handwriting very quickly and from a very great distance. So <laughs> everybody's obsessed with Lois Lane in this world, which, fair enough. Kate Bowser's pretty cute. So he tells Clark and Richard, who both take off, uh, Clark does the elevator change. Um, so am I to believe that there are shredded Clark Kent suits on top of the elevators at the planet? Or does he go back and pick them up before the maintenance guys go in there? Do they ever get stuck in the gears <laughs> and pulleys in the interim? <laughs> anyway, Lois tries he to escape. He vaporizes well, them with heat vision. I get. Well, he doesn't in this. He just fucking drops them. So, like, <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> Weird things you notice when you've watched the movie a couple times in the same week and you're hating it anyway. Anyway, Lois tries to escape while Superman flies to her, gets on a helicopter, and Metropolis gets hit with a tsunami thanks to Luther's new kryptonite island. There's almost an hour left, guys. It's just you know, it keeps going. I looked at how much time was left at this point. I was like, there's a fucking hour left? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this last hour is tough too. So the li- yeah, third hang on. Drag so bad. And and I never I never checked my watch. Like I never <laughs> got distracted while watching this movie. It's two hours and thirty four minutes, and I was locked in for all of them. All hundred. You need to see a psychologist, though. <laughs> I think you've been quarant- quarantined for. Too I think long. you've been locked up too I, long. I bro. like how it's paced so weird. I like that it doesn't just go from action sequence to action sequence to action sequence. I don't like, know, man. I was just I watching like Twin Peaks really- this week, just to kind of like catch up, and I was like, I was having fun with that weird, like, super languid third season pace of that, mm-hmm. like, what they did on that reboot. And this made me want to fucking jump off a roof, like, in comparison. <laughs> but like, I like David Lynch a lot, and this Brian Singer shit makes me want to kill myself now. So like. <laughs> either way i don't know i like i like how it's paced like it's a movie out of time like the whole movie feels completely out of out of sync with the rest of like reality and i like that about it <laughs> yeah i guess i mean and that's probably i'll why. agree with that <laughs> yeah no i'll agree with it it feels completely out of reality but i have the complete yeah. opposite emotion because of it so like <laughs> there that it's a very polarizing movie and we're almost there as you can tell <laughs> we've only got an hour to go yeah, uh, Superman is back in Metropolis saving people in cool Superman ways. This is a, like fun him being Superman sequence. I like yeah. some of the stuff he does. It's way too long, though. Why does it go on for 10 minutes? Because Should Superman be- montages are always great. Yeah, <laughs> but like... It, this was like an effects, you know, effects yeah. jerk. Yeah, especially considering like they're in the middle of like the yachts breaking apart. And he's like, I got to save Lois, but I also got to save Metropolis. So he's torn... Uh, I kind of missed where he turned around. Like it felt like he was on his way to her, but then like stops in Metropolis and like, I don't know, either way Um, the daily planet globe falls off and he catches it and saves Perry. He totally fucking ruins that person's car though. Like, I don't know. He does. Is is there Superman insurance in this version of Metropolis? (laughs) Cause that guy's car is fucked. So I like, there's been a meme going around recently. That's like uh, when Superman like uses the car that you just finished paying off to like throw at a (laughs) supervillain or something like that. And it's somebody like doing like a, like, you know, cry, like biting their finger kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) That's same, same thing here. Although I did like that sequence because we got like a really good great Caesar's ghost out of Perry. That's true. Very good great Caesar's ghost. Yep. Okay, so we're on the helicopter to Black Krypton Island. That looks super hospitable. I want to live there on beachfront property. That looks great. We cut back to the <laughs> boat where Richard saves Lois. They were stuck in a, like the the yacht starts to crash and like the the juts of the Kryptonite Island kind of like put it up. And the most improbable thing that is, I've ever seen on film, like it gets stuck on it far enough that it gets pushed out of the water and then falls as opposed to just getting capsized or whatever. At least it actually like breaks like there's there's actual like physics at play in this movie which we didn't get in like the Donner movies like 
like the the fucking boat is not meant to be held up by its hull in the <laughs> yeah. middle, and so it snaps in fucking half. Like, okay, fine, good. <laughs> the fucking the plane, like you know, accordion crushes when like Superman tries to stop it, and like the fucking nose cone, cr- you know, crushes in because that fucking thing's not meant to hold the weight of the entire plane. Yes, this, so. this is not a movie that says fuck you to physics. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it does in some ways. It's a Superman movie. It has to say "fuck you" to physics in some ways because, like, if ways. he actually did what he did with the plane, it would have just fucking crumbled in his hands. It's not designed <laughs> to hold that weight at that point. And it's the same with the boat. He's holding it. He's holding the whole boat by like a door frame, right? Like no, whole, no, like, he did. He he grabbed like one of the I beams. He grabbed. Okay. He did grab like a, a full on support beam. Okay. I actually did look at that and was like, okay, it's okay at least they have him like grabbing something that is integral to the structure of this fucking thing. Okay, Tim. Either way, <laughs> he saves them because obviously he saves them. He drops the fucking boat and it explodes underneath them. And it's super cool looking and stuff like that. Whew, I feel bad. For, I still feel bad for the guy with the car. You know what I mean? Like, it's just <laughs> sad. I was like an old fucking station wagon. Maybe Jimmy shared some of his inevitable Pulitzer for that photo with the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it raises the boat out of the water, and of course gets raised. Uh, it's crazy because Superman's there. Crazy. Lois gets clobbered in the fucking head a lot in this movie, eh? Like she got, <laughs> yeah, she got a bunch when of that, brain injuries coming out of this fucking movie. Her, I was like, she should be dead. Like that should have <laughs> caved her skull, and that's a big bulkhead door. And that, hmm, I feel bad for Lois in this. Either way. So now the actual hero of the movie is Cyclops, and he's holding them up while they're about to drown. <laughs> his wife's unconscious. His child's gasping for air. Superman saves them by holding up an I-beam, according to Tim, even though I think he's holding the door frame. <laughs> but that's okay. So we fly them to safety. He gets them on their way and heads off to like, the, the most fun scene. Like It's the day at the park scene in this movie, uh, where Superman, hero to all, gets gang beaten, shanked like a prison snitch. It's the only fight sequence in this fucking movie and it's Superman getting his fucking ass beat. Yeah, it's gang beat like a fucking episode of Oz. It's fantastic. <laughs> Who makes a Superman movie where the only fight sequence is Superman getting the shit beat out of him? Brian Singer. By some like unpowered dudes. Brian Singer, who has no idea. <laughs> he, the problem with this movie, and I'm like, that's my fuck. Wait till the end. I'm almost at I, <laughs> this movie. He wants nothing to do with Superman. The only thing he wants to do is pay homage to Richard Donner. That's all this movie is. It has nothing to do with any interest in Superman whatsoever. He just wants to do yeah. Donner stuff. That's all he wants to do. That's what this movie is. Either way, also he wants to make Superman look like an asshole and Cyclops to be the hero because he couldn't make Cyclops <laughs> the hero of his X Men movies because Wolverine exists. <laughs> oh, good fucking call. <laughs> At least, at least James Marsden got to be the hero in one fucking superhero movie because he was the total fucking dickbag in the X Men movie. I have been waiting to get to that joke for three fucking hours. Now. I'm sitting on my opinion until you get through with the summer because I. Oh lord. Okay, no, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm saying this now. No, you're not, no, you're not. We're we're getting through the plot. We're getting so close. We're almost done. Uh, he gets, so he, yeah, he, he gets shanked. Uh, Lois wakes up and makes Cyclops turn around uh, because she knows the island is all kryptonite. Oh, this is the actual scene uh, where he gets beat up in here. Like they set mm-hmm. it up and then they cut to her and then like, yeah, he, they, he, they beat the shit out of him. Why don't you just cut his eyes out and piss in the fucking holes, guys? Like it's just, <laughs> Jesus. it's like a snuff film for fuck's sakes. So he <laughs> falls off a cliff and then we get some more Marlon Brando. They really got their money's worth on rebuying those Marlon Brando rights because they use it a lot. Yeah. Somehow 
uh, Superman's son, probably because he has enhanced vision that he's not aware of yet, uh, sees Superman floating around and they stop. And there's a harrowing rescue scene where they stop the plane and they just make it out alive because Richard's an actual hero and, you know, is trying to save his wife and daughter and or wife and son, daughter, whatever, wife and son. Great. A fiance, they're not married. Oh yeah, that's members. what they're not married, right? Yeah. They're they're engaged. So either way, so he's like the best fucking dude. further. He's the best fucking dude. He's taking <laughs> care of this deadbeat fucker's kid, and he <laughs> exactly. knows it's not his. Goddamn good man, just a good dude. Cyclops is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cyclops for the win. Cyclops was right, guys. You know what? So we do the herring whiskey. Uh, Lois removes the shank of kryptonite. Superman immediately jumps out of the plane. He's fine. Only part of it, though. There's still, yeah, there's still a chunk of it in fucking there. Yeah. Either way, he goes up and does a little sun charge because that's what these movies do. It's like as long as he gets out of the atmosphere, he's now super powered and he's great. So that's great. He dives under the ocean. This sequence is cool looking. Like he's heat visioning to borrow in and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Like that's fine. Uh, we show Lex and his goons sitting around super bored on the island because like what the fuck do you do on an island with no power and like not, it's just lightning and crystal shit everywhere i don't know yeah i don't think lex th- really thought that part of yeah, he like, yeah people are gonna like, really want to like live a bad criminal yeah he's terrible <laughs> at a lot of things <laughs> he always has been dude was gonna dude was gonna launch nuclear missiles on the united states so he could sell real estate he's yeah. not an intelligent guy yeah yeah you're right okay so soups <laughs> like true. jumps out of the plane he goes and they do yeah so he gets under the thing and now like the island starts to shake and they're all like trying, like they're looking at each other, like what's happening. And Lex, I, they even really figure out what's happening. They're just like, oh, it's caving in on stuff. Get to the helicopter. They don't really realize Superman's Lex, there. Lex fucking knows. Yeah, I guess Lex kind of like intuits that it's Superman. Yeah. So, but he's lifting in. So they, always Superman. So the mooks are fucking brutally murdered. Also, <laughs> and like, <laughs> yep. Superman definitely indirectly murders these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Parker Posey dumps Lex's stash of kryptonite crystals into the water, which are probably just going to cause more problems. Because when they hit the water, what happens to them? Yeah. Like, good thing they're stuck on the island. Hopefully, he pulls it, like they're on the island as he lifts them. Out. When he lifts it, yeah, yeah. He throws it into the fucking sun. Either way, CGI Superman is down there and he's pushing this fucking kryptonite island off of the planet, and we see which the you totally should not be able to do because, like, it is ostensibly fucking like laced with kryptonite he should not even be able to get close to it but whatever like this is going to be my he's grabbing eyebar moment like you can (laughs) like during that scene you can see like you can see the kryptonite coming yeah 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 presumably from the bottom like the kryptonite gets to him eventually but that's not until like he's in like lower earth orbit yeah we also like it's weak (laughs) like effect on superman is kind of nebulous also you know it is how fast it really depends depends on how powerful it's very plot armory you know what i mean like if he goes into the sun five minutes before he's exposed to kryptonite he might be invulnerable to it for that hour kind of thing it's comic books you know what i mean like barely makes sense whatever you're asking this movie written probably by Brian Singer and one of his buddies to like make even more no, sense. No, actually not, surprisingly enough. Oh, was it this is this one of the Donners who wrote this? Like No, it's written uh, screenplays by uh uh well, I mean the concept, like the story was Singer, uh but the actual screenplay was uh Michael Doherty and Dan Harris. Oh. Uh, Dan Harris did X2 and X-Men Apocalypse yeah. and Doherty did X2. Yeah. Yeah, those guys wrote X2. That makes sense. Obviously understood the X-Men a lot better than they understood Superman. And that's debatable also. So we're never doing those X-Men movies, just so we're clear. Because I can't. Oh, no. I can't do this. I can't do this again. We have to. We're going to have to. (sighs) Good movies, weird subtext in retrospect, but many good movies in there. Hmm? Four good movies in there. (laughs) 
two and a half. Three? Three. I'll give you three. <laughs> if there's one thing that I'm going to hold against Superman Returns, it's that it fucked up Last Stand. Like, because that's, like, everybody left Last Stand to go work on Superman Returns. Yeah, and then and instead we got fucking Brett Ratner. Yeah. It's just more sex pests. So many sex just, pests. Just more. I don't <laughs> understand. Way down, honestly. You're going to have to stop talking about entertainment in girl. Chris Nolan is the only dude in the 2000s that, like, was making superhero movies that was not a fucking sex offender, as far as we know. Well, yeah, that we know of at this point. <laughs> I'm sure we would have heard something about Nolan at this point. Why would you not want those millions of dollars if you could get them? Because he's just true. made of money at this point. Either way, super like CGI Superman, that's probably why he's invulnerable to Kryptonite, because he turns into a CGI version of himself, and it's not affecting that Kryptonite anymore. <laughs> The, the the Agent Smith version. The, uh, I was going to say the Final <laughs> Fantasy uh, Bit Children version of Superman, but yeah, either way. <laughs> so like he pushes it off, but the Kryptonites overwhelmed him at this point, and he falls back into orbit in the least subtle Jesus Christ pose that Chris Cornell ever wished he had written about. <laughs> which is a why this is a really good movie to watch on Easter Sunday, which is when I watched it. <laughs> it's a really confusing message when a character created by two Jewish boys is like shoehorned into a heist allegory. You know what I mean? Like it's really awkward when you kind of look at it. Uh, either way, it's the perfect Easter movie when like you don't understand why the Ten Commandments became an Easter movie when it's a Passover movie and you don't want to watch Ben Hur. Watch Superman. <laughs> Ten Commandments is fucking just, awesome though. <laughs> just fucking watch Jesus Christ Superstar. Agreed. I love- commandments but it is not an easter movie it is an old testament passover movie those are jews that we are dealing with when ben hur also starring charlton has is right there and it is an easter movie it is on easter in this movie they keep referring to christopher reeve as jewish too so like he, we'll, we'll get we can talk about that later anyway <laughs> jesus so he falls. That's just a, he that's falls yeah we're getting to like two hours it's gonna be a long cut he falls out of it and conveniently lands in a park as opposed to shredding a building as his predecessor would probably do. Um, next movie, I guess. Or, or yeah, or fucking yeah, yeah, they will as oh, Zod will yeah, in next movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, so we do the hospital. He can't really be treated thing where like we see a needle break against his skin. Perry has a morbid headline saying Superman is dead. Um, and now we do the thing where Lois and Child are just allowed to see Superman because they have a special relationship and are just allowed in. But I guess this world is weird and they know that Lois and Clark have been just... All over Lois and Superman. Superman. Have, yeah. Everybody's read her articles. My night was Superman. Yeah. Also, did you see the drawing of the kid when he's there's the drawing of like him and like being saved by Superman? Yeah. And he's got the big then, bug eyes. He's got a weird self-image compared to everybody else that he's drawn as normal humans, and he's like this weird fucking alien thing with giant eyes. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> he, knows. he knows. Kid knows. Yeah, he knows. So the kid says he likes Superman when they visit him because why? He's done really nothing except for kind of cause a bunch of chaos in their lives but yeah all right he sort of saved him <laughs> once yeah lois whispers something to superman that we don't get to really hear um and he wakes up because of course it's- oh, she kisses him because yeah, she's still yeah. horny for him yeah even though fucking richard is like been way better to her this whole fucking movie man he dropped her off and is like sitting in the car waiting for her to come out at this point while she goes and visits her fucking baby daddy not even he's probably fucking like circling the block right now like a hundred times like a fucking here like a fucking champ i was gonna say look at this fucking hero chauffeur guy right here you know god damn that's the most irritating thing ever just fucking circling (laughs) and waiting for somebody to come out of a place fuck jesus he's a saint a saint, I'm telling he's you. He's great. He's great. I love that Richard gets a full and complete arc, but also I love that he kind of 
serves as a like he helps Clark achieve self actualization. He helps. He helps Superman. What realize. movie did you watch, Stephen? <laughs> Jesus Christ! By self actualization, you mean? It. Hold on, we're almost. Done. It's almost over. We're almost done. Okay. This plot. This is how we get through right. the plot. Get it. Get it. We're so close. Okay. <sighs> for real, she walks time. right by Martha Kent. No fucking clue. Who just happens to be in town for some reason and is stuck outside <laughs> in the crowd. Poor woman. Uh, Lex is stuck on a tiny island with Parker Posey. Karma Houdini gets away with it again. He's still alive. He's going to kill this poor girl and eat her to survive. You're going to kill the dog first. Well, I mean, yeah, he's going to kill the dog first. That's going to feed them once. Then what's he going to do the next day? He's going to kill her. So either way, whatever. Superman's bed is empty. Lois can't write and cries a little. None of this fucking makes sense. Whatever. Superman is up in the kid's room, which is just creepy. Like, just... It's so creepy. (sighs) Shouldn't there be a scene where Lois and Clark have a conversation about how any of this fucking happened? At all in this movie? Because there isn't. Instead, Brandon Routh whispers Jarrell's lines to his son which I put in air quotes for this one time. This is just super awkward. Uh, Lois goes to not have a cigarette as her kid calls out to Superman, who's just hovering there. They awkward at each other for a couple minutes. <laughs> and then Brandon Routh goes and does the Christopher Reeve flyby and mercifully, mercifully, <laughs> Superman Returns is fucking over. Now, please defend this. I need you to defend this because I have six assholes I want to fucking tear this thing. <laughs> And I'm looking for real estate right now. So, Tim. I'm going to start uh, as sort of the middle of the road here in terms of the things that I like about this movie. I do think that Routh strikes a pretty good silhouette in the tights, makes a decent Chris Reeves stand in. It's not, you know, it's not, he's not trying to copycat Chris Reeves, but he's definitely like aping some stuff there. And you're both delusional. He's totally just doing Chris Reeves. There's not he's, great. He's I, not, I'm, I'm he's with, not. I'm with Steven oh, that he's, he's not, it. he's not trying to, he's not trying to do like the, the, the real like physical presence, the like, you know, stoops his shoulders. He's down not and a stuff good like that. to do it. Well, I mean, this is like Brendan. This is like the first fucking thing Brendan Routh yeah, ever did. Like, and I think, I think Brendan Routh. I feel, I feel like we were robbed in a lot of ways by the like shit show that this movie kind of was. Like, they're not the shit. The, the they're just like mess that this movie ended up being, because like Brendan Routh could have been a fantastic Superman. Um, you know, in 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 multiple movies, well, he looks. He cut a very imposing figure in the 2019, like the Crisis thing, when they brought him back. And put him in that good Superman suit. I was so I was so happy that he got to put the tape back on. He looks so good as an older Superman. He looks so good as as Kingdom Come Superman yeah. in that. Uh, Parker Posey could have been fucking fantastic as like a long term uh, Luther henchwoman. Frank Langella she could have been, been even better as Lois Lane though. Is the problem <laughs> with this movie? I, I I hadn't thought about that until now, but yeah, you're right. I think she would have been really fun as Lois Lane. Yeah, um, especially especially like carrying on that Margot uh, Kidder, especially compared to what we get in Kate Bosworth. Sadly, in this, where she <laughs> yeah. seems like she's annexed for a big chunk of the movie. Even Amy Adams, which we'll get to next time. Ugh. Frank Langella could have been like a solid long-term Perry White. Agreed. And one thing I'll say for these movies is that they, out of everything we've watched so far, Sam Huntington does a good Jimmy Olsen, and they made probably the best one that we've seen so far. And they give him more to do here than in any of the previous movies that we've watched. Yeah, he's still a little too uh, G-golly for me in this one. Jimmy Olsen like, is that's the Jimmy. definition of G-golly. Like, yeah, just, that is Jimmy Olsen's entire being. Is he needs to be, yeah, exactly. Like, and this is a movie that isn't afraid to be G golly. Like this is very, it, like this isn't a movie that turns Jimmy that turns Jimmy Olsen into a freaking CIA agent. <laughs> 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 it's his first scene. 
<laughs> like Jimmy Olsen is an, is an up and coming photographer who likes to wear bow ties, and that's okay. Like, then why did we start doing these DC movies? <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. You know, you owe yourself to a break. <laughs> and then I think so much of this movie, and I think. I think what this movie and and your enjoyment or non-enjoyment of this movie rests on is nostalgia. The opening credit sequence with the John Williams score has like the same style of credits as Superman 1 and 2. Those are like fun fucking nostalgia bomb like throwbacks. Like I got, you know, some fucking warm fuzzies watching that. And like I'm with Steven. The whole movie is clearly a love letter to those Donner movies. They went to a lot of effort to use similar production design, recreate certain visuals, recreate certain sets and shit. Even like they, they did fucking better versions of some of these sets in this than they did in the Donner movies by far. Like Fortress of Solitude, shit like that looked way better here. The problem is it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, and, well, that's, and that's just, it. And, and I think that's so much of it is, is it really ultimately your enjoyment of this movie comes down to how far the nostalgia can take you, how far you can ride that nostalgia of the Donner movies. And that I think is ultimately personal for me. It goes a decent way to making this movie watchable for me, but like, I still see the fucking scenes, but like looking back and like the, the model city that Lex has with the trains and everything, like that's a nice nod to all the miniatures that were used in Superman one and two, which we, we talked about when we watched those fucking movies, like how great those were and how effectively they were used for the time kind of thing. I just don't understand why they could scream. It threw me off. That's so weird. (laughs) I hadn't noticed that, but that's, that is kind of weird. It's fucking Um, strange, man. And and I, I like this version of Metropolis, this like, you know, it does, it almost captures the animated series version where it's like, you know, the yesterday's city of tomorrow, like retro futurism kind of thing. See, I found it, I found it looks more like Gotham in a lot of ways. Like it looks more art deco, like it looks grimier because like even the roof, like when they're up on the Daily Planet roof, it looks like the, it's um, definitely pre- art deco. I don't know, but it's like the pre grimed up version of the rooftop. You would put the bat sim- signal on kind of thing. Like you yeah. could use that exact same set, throw a little bit more grime and have a red skyline behind it. And I'm like, that's the roof of Gotham C- like Gotham PD or whatever. Cause that's just, that's, yeah. it's so evocative of the, an- like the Batman animated series using art deco. That is really weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too big a Batman guy either way. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> you. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, I think a lot of this goes back to like what your initial fandom is, right? Like for me, it's Superman. For you, it's Batman. So like I've seen that Superman retro futurist got like Art Deco Gotham or Art Deco Metropolis for years and years and years before we got to this. Yeah. And you'd seen that, that version of Gotham. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've covered most of the other stuff that I actually do enjoy about this movie. But um, well, like I said, Let's have fucking props for Richard White. Like the true fucking hero of this movie. He raised that kid as as though it was his own, even though he absolutely fucking knew that it wasn't. He only like he got a little tiny bit jealous of Superman when he came back. But like who the fuck wouldn't when it's Superman? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Uh, He saved his fucking wife and kid without any superpowers. Probably took Lois flying way more times than Superman ever did. So, like, just what a fucking... You know what I, I did notice? Uh, he takes her flying this time. At least he's not a giant prick and fucking let's go of her like he does it's every true. other one. Which is something <laughs> I, I did notice. Like he, I was like, oh, at least he didn't let go of her this time, I guess. That's something. <laughs> give, her, give her a goddamn heart attack. Yeah, fucking almost kill her or whatever. Yeah. I like, know. I mean, and, and at the start, they're sort of setting him up as, like, you know, the asshole that stole Superman's girlfriend or whatever. But, like, by the end of this movie, I legit want 
Lois to stay with Cyclops with yeah. Richard at the end, which I see. And, I, and this I, I, is is transitioning into a gripe because that's fucking bad storytelling. Like I, you're not supposed to make me want Lois to end up with anyone other than fucking Superman or than than Clark, basically. Yeah, so okay. a couple things about that. I don't get from the ending that she's going to leave him. Like I get from the ending that like Superman is going to have like it's going to be like a joint custody situation. Like Clark, it, like, <laughs> like Clark will come. How do you like, want to watch a sequel to that? Like, no, like, who wants to watch Superman like, going through fucking divorce court shit? <laughs> like, like, oh my god. Not Steven, you're describing a nightmare scenario to me. No, not, not the literal joint custody scenario, but I think you're more seeing like Uncle Clark, like the cool, like the goofy oh, guy sounds, from sounds And like creepy. that's how it's going to be in the kid's life. But like, I get that like Lois is like, understands that like, like this is Richard's kid for all intents and purposes. And he's going to be charged with, with raising him like, like Jonathan raised Clark. But on the other hand, he's going to have this other father like Jor-El raised Kal-El. Like, it's a my two dad situation. You know, it's so, going to be the same thing that happened to, to Clark on his journey, or to Superman on his journey to Earth. Like he has these fathers, one representing the more humanistic side, one representing the more superpowered side. But the thing is that this movie has enabled like Superman to become Superman. He's now he's now both those parts of who he can be. He is no longer just Jonathan Kent's son. He is no longer just the Man of Steel. He is now like a more well-rounded person. And the movie isn't so. This movie isn't so much a Clark Kent Lois Lane story. This is a movie like this is a movie that does a lot of the stuff that Zack Snyder claims he wants to do with his superhero movies. This is a movie that's about the psychology of a superhero and how he's balancing like his great power and great responsibility and his need to use that so that bad things don't, don't invoke a better franchise god damn it <laughs> but, I mean, that's very- uh, not always a better franchise remember those fucking andrew garfield movies but that large that's format for me spider-man like superman. This is a superman who's struggling with the fact that if bad things happen to people that he could have stopped he is at fault for those things happening to them but i'm off hand, for five years though like you i can't justify any of this because no, exactly. like he's, he's a fucking back. jerk off the right. whole movie no exactly like that's his arc he goes from being the person who fucks off for five years to the person who is like I do have this responsibility that if I, I am here and if I've been sent here to make a better world for these people, I have to do that even to the sacrifice of my own desires. But then at the end, he finds like, no, I can do both. Like he's seen Richard, like Richard is a regular guy, but he's able to do heroic things while still being a human being. And that's that kind of reads as like Richard seems as like the aspirational version of what of what Superman could be like, he can. He can. Have that's not what himself. Superman's supposed to be—the aspirational <laughs> character in a Superman but, story. But this, but this isn't what. This isn't what the the movie isn't a all Superman to all people. Like this is a sequel <laughs> to Richard Donner. Then why is it a Superman movie? <laughs> no, it's a sequel to Richard Donner's 1978 Superman. It's dealing with decisions and fallout and characterization from that movie explicitly and directly and if that means jettisoning some things that people have come to know and love about superman then it has to do that because it is trying to follow in those very specific footsteps reckoning with the choices that people made in 1977 and 1978 while they were making this movie so a lot of the problems that you guys have listed with this movie can be traced back to the 1978 Superman and dealing with the fallout of those choices that those filmmakers made. And I don't like, I don't fault the film for 
diving into those in a way that you wouldn't expect a superhero film or a Superman film to do. I think that it's interesting and it's a much more successful version of what the DCEU has tried to do to look at what does it mean to be a superhero? What does it mean to be separate from Earth and at the same time a vital part of Earth? And how do you balance those two things? You don't balance them by saying, oh, humanity doesn't deserve me. You like This is a Superman who started this movie by doing that, by abandoning humanity, then went all in on the other thing. No, these people need me even to the like exclusion of who I want to be as a person. And then by the end, he's realized I can do both. I can find a way to both be the superhero that they need me to be, but I can also be the human that I want to be. Like I said earlier, like the end of this movie is a moment where you feel like, okay, now he's about to be the real Superman. Like, I wish that we could have gotten that movie. It's a shame that this movie was like the fourth most expensive movie ever made and had no chance of making its budget back. That just shot it in the foot right from the start. I guess that's the Brian Singer experience right there is excess. It's just boggles my mind that this movie was so expensive and didn't have a fucking super fight in it. But so yeah, back to that, like I would much rather see <laughs> Superman being heroic and saving people than punching people. Like I would rather watch the helicopter not both? a thousand times before I watch him punch General Zod in the face. Like, because to me, Superman is like saving things. He's not defeating things. He's preventing bad things from happening. Like he fights natural disasters and he fights like, like Lex Luthor is his greatest arch enemy, but Lex Luthor isn't a super being. Like there's no fun in watching Superman punch Lex Luthor. There's fun in watching Superman outsmart Lex Luthor or prevent Lex Luthor's plans from coming to fruition. Like that's what I'm here for. So that's why like I have never for a second thought, oh, I wish this movie had a super fight in it. Like I get everything that I want from seeing Superman be heroic heroic and sacrificial and like being the person we need him to be like Superman is DC's Captain America. And the best Captain America moment is Captain America jumping on the grenade during training in the first Avenger. Like that is the moment that crystallizes who Captain America is. He's the guy who's willing to make the big sacrifice. And that's who Superman is to DC. He's the guy who is going to sacrifice his own life to get this kryptonite island out of the North Atlantic. And in you, you really need to stop invoking vastly better fucking franchises <laughs> while we're reviewing these movies. Because like <laughs> the arc of Steve Rogers in the MCU versus this this Superman arc is oh, no, but that's like no holy don't shit like Steve Rogers's arc is like the best thing yeah uh, but, but like Superman holy represents- shit they're gonna be Superman teaching represents- Cap in fucking writing classes for twenty like the next <laughs> fifty years because it's so well characterized and this Superman's gonna be a joke like it is no but I'm not talking about this Superman specifically like Superman in general represents to DC what Captain America represents absolutely. And I would like I would much rather see like just like I would much rather see Captain America jumping on the grenade or crashing the plane before it reaches New York. I would rather see Superman doing the sacrificial thing than just punching another superpowered being in the face. Like seeing Superman like saving Metropolis like by using his X-ray vision, (laughs) using his heat vision, like flying through, like preventing a gas explosion catching the globe as it falls off the daily planet that's the superman that i need to see and that's the superman that this movie gives me i like it for that like i don't need general zod to feel like i had a superman experience like i got the superman experience that i wanted when he caught the globe and perry white says great caesar's ghost like that is the superman that i am here for and this movie gives it to me like this is a movie that is it's so weird like it's not interested in being the whiz bang like superpowered beings punching each other like one action set piece after another it's so I'm so weird. fascinated by somebody defending like this movie 
for all the things they, that it I'm is. I'm not alone. There are dozens of us. I know there are literally dozens of you. I know. <laughs> I'm well aware because the rest of us hate this fucking piece of shit. But like, uh, I just, I'm sorry. I'm, dra- I'm not trashing. I'm just like, because no, I watched a completely different movie. It feels like I read this on TV tropes. This and this really kind of encapsulates my entire feeling on this movie, so that I don't have to sit here and rant about just how horrific I felt this movie is. So Tom Holbrook wrote an essay pointing out that Superman is dumber than a bag of fucking hammers in Superman Returns, and this is the quote: "The big inspiration for Superman Returns is when Superman and Lois had sex. What if he got her pregnant? Thus, the need for him to be gone five years so that he could return to discover he had a son." That also means that clearly Superman left before he knew Lois was pregnant. We can assume he left shortly after Superman 2, like really shortly. He's Superman. He would have been able to tell that Lois was pregnant very early on with his vision. Let's say he just leaves two months after. Because he's clearly constantly fucking x-raying her. Yeah, clearly. Two months after the end of Superman 2. So in Superman 2, he painfully learns that he's got to, he must be, sorry, he must put the needs of Earth ahead of his own personal desires. He apologizes to the president for being away for so long. He was gone for maybe a week or two. Tops? Like, the, the timeline of Superman 2 implies that he was gone for 15 minutes, but like, that's fine. Regardless of which version you watch, because we just talked about this. Yeah. And then he tells me he won't let him down again. Then two months later, he leaves Earth without telling anyone he's going on a personal five-year-long wild goose chase. He also leaves without covering his bases. He doesn't secure the dangerous technology at the Fortress of Solitude. He doesn't make <laughs> sure his departure won't result in Lex Luthor's release from jail. He doesn't even warn the president that he's leaving. His actions fly in the face of everything we learned in Superman and Superman 2 and everything he swore to do. Dumb as a sack of hammers. <laughs> So like at the like it's it's script right like from the very top this movie like it's written horribly like I don't know why you make any of the decisions like you can do this movie and make it interesting because we've been doing Superman and Son for years now and it's been some of the best comics that they've done with Superman since he yep. died basically so like you can work this angle and that's so- my thing like I. As somebody that has read every Superman comic that's come out for the past 35 years at this point, like, I'm not against stories that dive into, you know, the psychology of Superman and what it takes to be Superman and what it takes to be Superman, like, father of a super son kind of thing. But this is one of the worst takes, in my opinion, of that, of that like diving into that part of the mythology. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just like, I like, it's fascinating listening to Steven talk about a movie that like he loves when I saw the same movie and was just like, I was screaming at the screen for parts of it. Like too much Kevin Spacey. He's not very good at this. Brandon Ralph's very stilted. Kate Bosworth looks like she's asleep through three quarters of this. The best Kate performance- Bosworth is, is one of my biggest issues for sure. Yeah. The best performance in this movie is James Marston and, Frank Langella put in the best performance. Oh, and Parker Posey <laughs> put in like the best performances in this movie, and they are tertiary characters at best. <laughs> like that's not good. Yeah, the script's a disaster. I don't know. Like, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you want to make. Super- I don't understand how you make Superman such a fucking asshole, and then make me want to like sympathize with him by the end of the movie. Because I don't. I never want the Superman at all. Cole, if you think this Superman's an asshole, just wait till your next episode. Oh, no, I know, because I've watched that movie a couple times. Like, I've, I've seen all these movies before. I know he's a prick in that, too. But, like, this Superman's, like, a low-key prick. Like, he pretends to be a good guy. The other Superman's just, like, a dick all the time. You know what I mean? Like, blatantly <laughs> an asshole. This one's, like, I'm a good guy, but really, like, I've mind-wiped Lois 78 times, and I've been fucking with her <laughs> life for, like, decades and shit. It's just... <sighs> 
But it's again, a, that, that's that's de- reckoning with the choices that were made in the yeah, earlier movie. I, and like that, I in this movie. I this totally see where you're coming movie. from. I totally understand where you're coming from with that. It's just that, like, why in why? Like it's the, it's, it's, really, it's a matter of how much of that you can overlook. Like the, the detriment of this movie is that, like to me, Brian Singer's really just interested in paying homage to his hero Richard Donner, and he doesn't really have that much interest in Superman as a character. And that's pretty fucking blatantly obvious from this movie. Like he's not, he's just spending all this time taking this Paragon and shitting on him. Like that's kind of what you're doing here. He's and like, I get the I get the total opposite from that because I think I get like I there are there are other Superman movies where I get the shitting on a Paragon. And in fact, I think that the character of those movies get on shitting on, on Superman. But this is a movie that I feel like is interested in discussing like what would it do to this person and how does Superman become Superman? Like, how does he balance his alienation and his lack of, you know, like his lack of connection to who he, who he was born to be? You know, like, how does he feel as an adopted member of this planet? And how does he use those abilities? Like, how does he use his abilities to better this planet while still feeling like he's not a part of it? And this is a movie about like him synthesizing the two sides of himself, like him synthesizing the kryptonite and the earthling. And him feeling like ending the movie on a place where he really belongs. Like this has been a, it's been a proto Superman until the very end of this movie. And then like, he finally becomes like just basic, like standard, everybody, like the man of steel, like he becomes Superman at the end of this movie. And we never get to see like him being really Superman because, you know, like in this continuity, bits and pieces of superman 2 happened superman 3 never happened superman 4 never happened and we got wait wait, wait. here's my question though even superman 3 not happened because in the crisis thing he mentions he fought himself once so like he makes reference to his son and he makes reference to superman 3 so they imply that everything happened in the fucking arrowverse no it's meant to be oh in the arrowverse yeah the arrowverse oh no i know this but like it doesn't even track as the end of Superman two. And like, I know you've mentioned a couple times, that like we're, we're leaving off more of Superman 78. Like we're leaving off that. That makes him even a bigger prick. Cause he just showed up and then he fucks off immediately. Like, yeah, see, that's where it gets fuzzy because like, I like, again, it, it's the blade runner thing. Like there's two different versions of Superman two and there's no telling like which one this is which, drawing. Yeah. From. Like it's trying to be all things. And I don't think, pulls it off as elegantly as Blade Runner does because those two things are like so very diametrically opposed in places the Donner cut versus the Lester cut I think I, just, I think I feel it's really unfair to compare Brian Singer as a filmmaker to Danny Villeneuve who's obviously 50 oh, yeah, trillion yeah. times more talented <laughs> yeah, than yeah, Brian yeah. Singer has ever been and, and not a fucking sex pest as far as yeah. we know but like yeah as, as far as, as, far right as, now, as we know sure. <laughs> Yeah, Knock on wood. <laughs> in on on April eighth, two thousand and twenty one, we were not aware of Denny Villeneuve at ten thirty p.m. <laughs> Eastern. Things could change. Yeah, something could be different <laughs> next week. We don't know. But as of right now, Brian Singer is a sex pest and did a terrible <laughs> job of making Superman Returns. And uh, Denny Villeneuve is not a sex pest and did Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which was Tim and I's favorite movie of that year, and may still be of my favorite decade. movie of the decade. Yeah. yeah. Part of Blade Runner 2049 is the writing. Like it's it's Michael Green and Hampton Fancher's script. Because yeah, I think obviously. I think it does such an elegant job of emerging all those disparate versions of the original Blade Runner into into one like like it if you think Deckard is a replicant, Blade Runner 2049 is a sequel to that version of Blade Runner. If you think that Deckard isn't a replicant, Blade Runner 2049 is a sequel to that version. Yeah. If 
the yep. Deckard and Rachel drive off into the end of The Shining, Blade Runner 2049 is a sequel to that. If you think that the movie ends with the elevator doors closing, Blade Runner 2049 is a sequel to that. Superman Returns doesn't synthesize nearly as well as that, but it makes the effort to. And it does have these moments where it really does feel like it's managing to be a sequel to multiple versions of the same movie. And like that is that is very, very unique. Like they didn't have to do this. They could have just done the bog standard. We're making another Superman movie and it's basically going to be the the origin that we all know. But instead they did the hard thing and they did the tricky thing and they did the thing that really hadn't been done before. It doesn't sing like perfectly, but there are moments where it really, really works. And those moments spackle over a lot of those lumpy parts for me. Fair. Uh, I still think you're right. delusional, but I'm also like, <laughs> see, my question is, and this is maybe a question Tim and I can talk about when we do Superman, uh, Man of Steel, is that like, would you have preferred to see that instead of this in, in this place? You know what I mean? Like, would it, this movie have worked better for you if it was Man of Steel in 2006? And I think my answer to that is yes, because at least then I got to see Superman punch something and it, <laughs> uh, not be a fucking creepy sex pervert for three quarters of the run of the movie. So, well, that, yeah, and we, we barely fucking touched on that, which, which is fucking amazing. Like, that is like what this movie is known for. And the is about for, being a stalker during my rerun. Thank you. <laughs> is, is for creepy emo Superman, right? Like, that. And that's, the I think, probably my biggest issue with this is that it just, especially having watched watched Chris Reeves and Margot Kidder in those first couple of movies, in both cuts of those first couple of movies, and just having that fucking amazing chemistry together, one Kate Bosworth is not at all believable as an updated version of Kidder's Lois Lane. Especially when you've got Parker Posey wandering around in the background of this fucking movie. <laughs> and, I mean, realistically, I'm pretty sure this fucking killed Kate Bodsworth's career. Oh, like, like, it killed her and she... Ralph's career. Somehow the only person who out of, who out, who the only person who made out of this movie okay, well, Parker Posey just kept doing indie movies, so she was fine. Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey of all yeah. people, somehow managed to come out more successful yeah. doing the worst Gene Hackman impression I've ever seen in my life yeah. than uh, anybody else in this movie. <laughs> and uh, Singer yeah. Back to the X Men. Well, I know he just went right. Back I can't believe they the, let him back in after that. But like that Fox X Men franchise was a fucking disaster. So like it's kind of hard to say one way or the other. <laughs> but yeah, like Roth and Roth and Bosworth just don't have anywhere near the same chemistry that Reeve and Kidder had. And like Mark and I just fucking kept going back and you know kept saying like the only thing that or the the one thing that makes these movies the most watchable is that chemistry between Reeve and Kidder. I want to watch them fuck. Like I, I, I'm completely fine being <laughs> the cuck in that situation because like they're so scintillating together. Like the Margot Kidder, yeah. Chris, especially the first two movies. Like goddamn, they like that's just sexiness. You know what I mean? The whole time. But like this is yeah. just like oh, uh, they look like two awkward high school kids that don't don't want to touch each other when they slow dance or something like that the whole time. And we have like direct comparisons, like we have like almost you know shot for shot kind of scenes, like like shit that played more way more playful, uh, and you know fucking horny as shit between Clark and Lois when <laughs> when when Reeve and Kidder are doing it. Don't play the same way here, like like in particular like Clark using his X ray vision to like tell Lois which pocket her recorder is in. That shit is creepy as fuck here. Whereas, like when uh, Clark looks at her like, panties, oh, I very much, it's cute. Yeah, when Clark looks at her fucking panties in 1978, we're all like, "Oh, that's fucking adorable." I'm yeah. so here for it. <laughs> and and Clark is basically coming in here wanting to be a fucking home wrecker, like trying to break break up this happy relationship between <laughs> between uh, Lois and Richard. And 
And I just think it's so unfortunate that that relationship garbage takes up so much space in this movie. I feel like they could have cut out at least half of it and that would have helped bring this movie down to a more reasonable length. Okay, so I don't know if this is going to say something about my moving watching, my movie watching skills or my personality, but I like I said earlier that I pictured this Superman as asexual. I have never gotten a creepy stalker vibe off of him in this movie. At least not really? Never. Like, I didn't even know that that was a thing that people harped on about. Oh, it was. Uh, that was the biggest thing of this movie was was the emo, quote, like, emo stalker Superman, like, creeping on Lois and her family. Like, you know, just like so much of this movie seems to be it's less a Lois and Clark movie and more a Clark and Kal-El movie. Like, it is very much about his search for self-actualization and a place to belong. And that place to belong isn't necessarily with Lois. That place to belong is as a part of Earth and like a part of the fabric of society. And that's that's why like I I never look. I've never like. I mean, when I first watched this movie, I had seen like the '78 Superman maybe once, and like each of the sequels probably once. So I wasn't coming at it from like a place of like you know nostalgia or anything like that. But having seen each of them more now it seems like that like the first one is a Lois and Clark movie, but this is a, like this is a movie about Clark trying to figure out who he is and where he belongs. So that's why I guess like, yeah, you know, for sure the chemistry between Bosworth and Routh isn't there. And I can justify that in fiction all that I want to, <laughs> but it doesn't strike me as a huge gaping lack because I feel like it's more about Richard and Lois. And then it's more about Clark and himself. But <sighs> I understand that take, but compared to the even the Superman that we end up with at the end of Superman, the movie, Mm -hmm. this feels like a backslide in terms of his personality compared to that. Like, I feel like he's pretty fucking well actualized at the end of Superman, the movie compared to the version that we get in Superman Returns. But that's that's kind of like where it it this movie is more interested in in like kind of probing deeper into what like what would it be like it's retcon- it's trying to retcon shit out of superman the movie as opposed not so much retcon is just like t- look at it from a different angle like superman the movie is like it is very much what it says it is superman the movie and this kind of goes back to your question mark of like would i have wanted to get man of steel in 2006 i think i'm i'm glad that this movie exists aside from the fact that i like this movie a lot more than you guys do I'm glad that we get an actual sequel to Superman the movie because like Superman the movie is like, what if there was a Superman movie? Superman 2 is, okay, we've got half of a sequel. We just fired the director. Like, let's bring in another director with a totally different tonal sense and try to cobble together whatever we can. Superman, so that's not really a sequel to Superman the movie. Superman 3 is, oh, we have Richard Pryor. Let's build this entire movie around his present comedic persona. Oh, no, we don't don't need to revisit that thing. That's not really a sequel either. And then Superman 4 is, we have absolutely no money. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like, there's never been a real sequel, like a real direct intentional sequel to Superman the movie until this movie. And that movie is so good and so foundational that even just on like a a completionist level, I'm glad that we got a a, like a true direct follow up to that Uh, and a true direct follow up to that that looks at Superman in a different way from the way that that first movie does. Like for all the, for all the callbacks and, you know, for the airplane scene and for the great Caesar's ghost and for the, it's still the safest way to travel. The thing that separates this from being just a straight up remake of Superman, the movie is the fact that it's willing to look at like, what does it mean to be Superman as opposed to just being able to fly around and have x-ray vision and everything like as, as a being, what would it be like to be Superman and how do you balance your desires with your responsibilities? 
And that that's something that that a lot of superhero movies have tried to do since then. I don't think any of that. I don't think any of the takes on Superman have done as well as this one has. And maybe it's me coming at this from the point of view of somebody that has read a lot more Superman comics and that you you've you haven't seen those stories done before and so you're appreciative to see it done on the big screen even if it is done in a way that I think is substandard compared to a lot of the ways that the comics have treated it in a lot more nuanced kind of situation like I would put up like All-Star Superman as an example of like a a story that's like you know what it means to be Superman psychologically kind of thing yeah uh, that that I think is a better example of that than Superman Returns is. But I can appreciate where you're coming from in terms of, you know, mostly seeing Superman in terms of, you know, animated or live action takes and appreciating it for going into some psychological depth into what Superman Returns is is attempting to do here, regardless of how well you think it actually executes it. But yeah, like getting back to the creepy stalker shit, like that is one of those things that made me uneasy. I remember it made me uneasy when I saw it in the theater and continues to make me uneasy now. I found a fucking Facebook post of mine from 2006 where I oh, posted yeah? about him being creepy. Yeah, because I'd seen yeah. it while I was like, I must have been working at Brock and like I was on Facebook really early because of my time at school again. And like yeah, there's a post of me if you go way back into like when it was just the university like hookup mm-hmm. site basically back in the day. And there's a thing like Mark is super disappointed in how fucking sex creepy <laughs> Superman <laughs> is in yeah. Superman Returns. And I was and like, not, oh, even, not even sex creepy. Like it's stalking. legit. Stalking's bad enough. Well, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's I mean, the sex creepy. creepy. And then he fucking breaks into their house and creeps on the kid while he's fucking sleeping. Like that sex is creepy. just a weird choice writing wise. Like there's no reason that Clark couldn't have showed up or fucking given Lois a call and said like, Hey, can I come see my kid? And like talk to him a bit and like, you know, try and like, I, I'm going, you know, I'm having some feelings about the fact that I just found out I have a fucking kid. Like, is it OK if I come over and, you You're know, I asking talk, them talk to then acknowledge the fact that he fucked her and left her and she probably <laughs> was mind wiped and doesn't really know what's going on. Like there's there's so much shit. Clearly, she was. I mean, again, continuity wise, it's a masterpiece of a movie. They never once mention (laughs) what the fuck happened there. What is implied? Like, that's a big problem. Like, so what is implied is that she knows. Yeah, exactly. What is implied is that she remembers that they had sex and, you know, is not at all surprised when it turns out that Jason has fucking superpowers because she knows when the fucking kid was conceived. But the, the part that is glazed over is that she clearly doesn't know that Superman is Clark anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But he also kind of seems surprised that she has a kid, right? Like he breaks the the glass. Like he's surprised that this isn't like happened. So he's like, I didn't know this happened. No, no, that, that no, she, he like, breaks the glass because he's upset that she, you know, is in a, in a relationship with somebody else and that she, he didn't just fucking wait around for him for five years. That makes him sound like a prick too, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it does. This could be like a judgment on me, but the, like the interpretation of all I've always gotten is everybody thinks that Jason is Richard's son until he throws the piano at, at clown goon. Like I think how, that, yeah, he wasn't in the, because it doesn't, it doesn't he, timing wise. It doesn't make sense. Anybody that like, I always assumed that like, as soon as Clark is gone, Lois and Richard start dating and they have a kid. 
Like, so that's always been the way that I took it is that like they had a kid very early in the relationship. And, and it's taken him five years and, to pop the question to Lois Lane. Well, no, he's, he is apparently like based on what Jimmy says, like, don't ask her when they're getting married because she hates that question. Um, like, I, I've got that he has proposed before and she has said no because she's still fucking waiting for Superman. Well, they're engaged. I mean, she has a ring. Well, yeah. The, the, yeah. So she's got. But, but about the wedding have, date. Yeah. yeah. Like my yeah. my interpretation has always been she thinks this could be Superman's son, but doesn't want to believe it. But just in case she's not getting married to this guy just yet. But I think that Richard thinks that he's Jason's father. I think that Superman thinks that Richard is Jason's father. And that's why Superman shows up at the end, because he doesn't want to ruin the family unit that Jason and Richard think they have. So he's not going to publicly declare himself, hey, Lois, can I come over to the house and talk to my kid? Like he's going to allow Richard to be this boy's father and he's going to be Uncle Clark, the fun guy from work. And he's going to continue being Superman on his own. So maybe they needed to define that better within the context of the film. But I've always thought that like Clark thinks it's not his kid. Richard definitely thinks it's his kid. Lois doesn't want to believe that it's Clark's, but knows it could be. And that her relationship with Richard sinks up to the point where this, like this could be their son because like like, nobody at work, like Perry never mentions or Jimmy never mentions like, yeah, you know, it's really weird. She had the kid and then they started dating. So we don't (laughs) like everybody just assumes that Jason is Richard's son. I guess that's plausible, but either way, it's still fucking weird that Clark just like shows up and fucking starts talking to the kid in his fucking bedroom. There's just a bunch of like little weird directorial choices that just stand out at me and really take me out of this movie. One is the fucking joke about one of the Pomeranians eating the other. Yeah, that was a weird fucking super dark, super dark, totally out of fucking place. That's like a Batman joke you would do. You know what I mean? Like you do that in something darker, like in that kind of franchise, but like it doesn't work in Superman. Out of place in this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So throwback and like so timeless and so. Very like it's very hard on its sleeve, and then there's a joke about a dog eating another dog. Just, see, that totally feels like a joke that Zack Snyder would have made in Man of Steel. You know what I mean? Does. Yeah, right. It, it, or like, that Burton would have made in the fucking Burton. Yeah, Burton, Burton would have made it in movies. Returns. I think he kind of yeah. does make it in Returns. Isn't there a fucking scene of something eating something else in Batman Returns? There's all kinds of weird shit in that movie. Yeah, there's you know creepy I mean? shit in there. Um, and then, and then you want to talk about like shit that would have felt more at home in a Batman movie, like especially a Nolan Batman movie, uh, moping around and stalking his girlfriend. Yeah, that's more Batman than uh, Superman. The fucking like huge Gatling gun that that bank robber sets up on top of the building—that definitely felt like it was something that they fucking lifted out of a Nolan Batman movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when Jason, we talked about Jason fully, fully like fucking pulping that henchman with the piano. And then, yeah, Superman fucking indirectly murdering the henchmen when the fucking like island falls over on them. All of that shit. I was just like that. It should not be here. That was really weird to why they put in. And then I think that's funny because like you completely glaze over the the Oz scene where he gets gang beat and like fucking shanked like yeah, he's a prisoner yeah. in a prison as opposed to like a superhero <laughs> fight where like at least let him put up a fight. He just gets the shit kicked out of him viciously yeah. and then tossed <laughs> in the fucking, fucking water. Shanked. Yeah, shanked yeah. and then tossed off a cliff. It's like, what the fuck movie are we making here? Like, yeah. this suddenly became like Logan. <laughs> like, yeah. And then visually, like, yes, most of the effects are good, but then some of the close-up CGI of Superman uh, is like Matrix Reloaded Agent Smith level of weak. 
Mm -hmm. there's some weird shots of him too and like i was when tim pointed out we were chatting yesterday about like the eyeballs like the eye his eye color is really strange super aqua yeah but like there's a lot of close-ups of everybody where like they they've keyed their eyes because uh kate bosworth's got a bunch of scenes where she looks like she's got heterochromia because like her eyes are different colors too like yeah brown in one and like bright bright ass blue and everybody's got that like photoshop blur look to their skin like it's just a little bit of gaussian blur over top of everybody's close-ups that like, mm-hmm. I, I just pick it up because I'm like Photoshop guy, but it's like everybody looks a little too smooth and perfect in their close ups. And then you go back and it's like, oh, they have lines on their face, but then you get them close and it's like they're gone. And they've got these eyes that are glowing blue. And it's like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? It's so creepy to look at. But then you pull out yeah. and everything's fine. And the effects, again, yes, the effects, like that plane sequence looks fantastic. I would rewatch that plane sequence over yeah. and over again because that looks great. I mean, they waste it. I mean, that's the only good effect sequence because the other effect sequence is him lifting a fucking rock into the sky. Like, I get you want to have Superman saving people and stuff, but like, it's the most boring conclusion to a Superman movie I could ever possibly have dreamed of writing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the other two things visually that, that really just fucking baffle me are one, why they decided to give this Superman the color scheme of the dark asshole Superman from Superman three, like the maroon S in the Cape instead of just, just fucking red, except for the blue that is iridescent in every frame. Yeah. Like just pops off of everything. Yeah. But just the, the swapping out the maroon for the red is a weird choice for me. Yeah. And then this is super net picky, but they don't fucking get Routh's hair. Right. Oh no. The spit curl just feels like it's fucking like glued onto his forehead the whole fucking time. Yeah, he's got a kind of shaggy thing going on. It's a real nitpicky shit. Yeah, you're right about his hair and stuff. But like his hair looks like a, a wig a lot in this movie too. Like when he's Clark, it looks like yeah, it's kind it of tacked it on does. him a little bit, which is weird. Yeah. But you know, what are you gonna do? All right, we've we've gone on about this. This movie is almost a three hour hard. episode of this podcast, like, Tim. I'm so angry at you right now. I have no, you have no idea how frustrated. This has I am. been like an interesting fucking discussion, though. Like I feel like we've had an, uh, a solid. Well, did you know what you were getting into when I said I want to come back to this. <laughs> Oh my god! I, I have. And I the best feeling. part is, we've been talking about this for like an hour and forty minutes now, and like neither of us have convinced each other. Oh no, nobody. I still but, but I feel like this we've, movie we've, with the fire of a thousand red Krypton suns. As the person in the middle, I feel like like I do see both sides of this. Like I can, and I think what it comes down to, and and we can get into ratings, is literally like how much the intent of this movie carries you. The intent and the nostalgia, right? For those Donner yeah, movies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So let's put this to bed then. Let's go with Mark first. What's your, your rating out of 10 for this movie and your final thoughts? I didn't even really think about like a number value to give this one, but I put it like maybe like a slot above four. Like if I gave four or two, this is a three. Like this is a really legitimately like to me, this is a, like one of the worst Superman movies ever made, even though it's visually stunning. It's scripted so horribly that it doesn't work for me at almost any point in its runtime. Like I, you heard me snark at the very top about like, we're putting, we're doing text cards. Like it's not star Wars guys. <laughs> Show me what's going on. Like this comic books is a visual medium. This is movies. It's a visual medium. Show yeah. me. Don't tell me. They could have showed us that. Yeah. So, and like they shot the footage and I've seen it cause it's on the fucking DVD, like of him going back to Krypton and stuff. And it looks really cool. But the problem is they probably cut it. Cause they're like, that's the coolest thing in this movie. Like, you can't start with the coolest thing in the movie and then go downhill from here, right? (laughs) I don't know. The performances are all over the place. The directions, to me, is a muddled fucking horrible mess. I really wish they'd flip Parker Posey and Kate Bosworth. Like, that's really stood (laughs) out to me this time through, is that, like, Parker Posey's so just, like, 
engaging and has so much good chemistry with him in 30 seconds that they share screen time together that him and and Bosworth have nothing like that in the entire run of this movie. And they just like in 30 seconds, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to watch Parker Posey and Brandon Routh get busy because that looked good like they look good together and stuff somebody deep fake that for us please do absolutely i'll watch it so like yeah to me this is like this is as bad if not worse than superman 4 because like superman 4 i can apologize because like yeah i had no budget and like it was slapped together in 15 minutes and it looks it this is like you had all the opportunity you spent as much money on this as marvel spent on fucking endgame and it turned out nowhere near as good as what marvel did and nowhere near as good as like it's not even as good as superman one i would argue that the donner cut of superman 2 is a vastly superior movie to this i i'd agree with that and then like you take your pick out of which is the worst of the last three because like they're all terrible for different superman reasons four. it's superman four no i i i actually i would rather watch superman four again for the mst3k kind of like vibe of it <laughs> Versus for the this. nuclear man shit. Yeah, because at least that's like goop, fun and goofy. And you can get stoned with your buddies and be like, how ridiculous is this? Whereas when you watch this, get stoned with your buddies, you're just like, holy fuck, this is a depressing slog. I'm sorry I did this to you guys. So that's my closing thoughts. This is a depressing slog, and I'm sorry Tim did this to me. <laughs> All right, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Steven, give us a rating out of 10 and your final thoughts on Superman Returns. Eight out of ten, minus one point for each of the known sex pests involved. <laughs> I like no known is good. Known, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Everything that Mark said about this movie is wrong. <laughs> That's fine. Everything you said about this movie is wrong to me. So, like, I still love you, Stephen. You, you like, we're yeah, still, no, yeah, we're still friends. We're but, still friends, but we have a we have a, we have a fundamental disagreement about Superman. Very different movies. Yeah. Like, I, I think that I've gotten everything that I like about this movie, you know, out there into the universe. Like, I love that it's, like I said, I have a soft spot for, like, enormously ambitious things that don't entirely work, but work well enough. Like, and that, this is, like, that kind of movie for me. It tries to do things that movies, like, in all honesty, shouldn't try to do. And it, the fact that it manages to pull off as many of them as it does endears it to me. But the stuff that it doesn't do right endears it to me even more. I'm baffled. I'm just baffled. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, baffled so. What should I say? Like, I like flawed, weird things that, like, are able to overcome those flaws enough. And this isn't, like, a mess that it just totally falls flat for me. This is a film that is, has clear flaws, but it overcomes them enough and with enough enough impact that I have a very uh, warm spot in my heart for it. Uh, so, yeah, 8 out of 10 for me. All right, so that leaves my score. I'm going to come down in between you guys. Uh, I'm going to give Superman Returns, like, a 5 out of 10. Uh, because like it's got all kinds of messy story and script and continu- continuity issues. Is that the lowest one you've given so far? No, I think I gave I think I gave Superman four lower than that. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, but I think I gave it like two Superman four. I think I gave like a two out of ten. But like there is enough nostalgia for the the good Reeves movies and like the 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 production design and shit like that there to make it like just barely watchable for me so like this is a weird like some of these movies like i'm watching like superman three and four i probably i don't think i'll ever watch again uh, um unless somebody's like hey let's do this for a laugh kind of thing but like this one is this like was, just Tim. <laughs> like that's th- this one is like i'm i'm like just on the cusp of like maybe i might watch superman returns again 
Fair so. enough. This is probably the last time I go through these Superman movies in my lifetime. <laughs> I figure I got like a good five years left. So like, I'm not going to watch these movies again. <laughs> so, like. All right. Let's go then to our final segment, finally, which is Geek Cred, where each of us just recommends something for you to check out that we think you might like. So let's go back to Stephen first. What's, what do you want to give your Geek Cred to this week? Something that I'm sure listeners of this podcast either have read before or are going to read uh, eventually. I'm working my way through the history of The Lord of the Rings which is showing me that it is really, really difficult to write a book. Ooh, I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated just by like how much of what came to be the Lord of the Rings was right there from the start of Tolkien writing it, and then how much of it developed so late into the writing process that he had to go back time and time and time again to start right from the get-go. I think I'm on like his seventh or eighth like attempt at writing it, and every time, like, you know, Mary and Pippin are changing and it took them five go throughs to become Mary and Pippin. And Strider was originally a hobbit uh, with wooden feet took six times through for Strider to become a man, but he hasn't got the name Strider yet. Saruman didn't come into the picture until the fourth or fifth go round. It's just interesting, like tracking the creation of all these different elements of these books, which, you know, became, you know, so incredible by the end, but it's really showing all of the work that went into putting them together. So yeah, that, that's my geek cred for the week. Cool. So this is, I, it, it's weird. This is a weird one that is, this is the stuff that was edited together by Christopher Tolkien? Yes. Yeah. So this is, okay. it, this is Christopher Tolkien from like 19, the mid eighties through like the late nineties. 88 to 92. Through, yeah. He went through like all of his, I mean, I'm reading the whole, the 12, 12 books bit of it. And the Lord of the Rings is only four parts. So what you're reading right now is maybe the last like third uh, or not, not even like, uh, the last like three quarter part of the history of middle earth. Yeah. So like the first five books were the history of middle earth, which was like his early yeah. attempts at writing the Silmarillion. The next four volumes are writing the Lord of the Rings. And then the three or four after that are like returning to the Silmarillion and trying to finish that up. Yeah. So these are history of middle earth volumes, six through nine out of 12 yes. total. Yeah. Yep. That's deep fucking dive in there. <laughs> yep. It's something that I had to do and I've got the set. So I'm diving right in. All right. Mark, how about you? What's your geek for this week? Oof. Superman yeah. Return. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to recommend uh, a well-told story. So <laughs> watched NXT TakeOver last night. Just go watch the Tommaso Ciampa versus Walter match. It's for the NXT UK Championship. It is a vicious fucking 30-minute like brawl. They beat the shit out of each other. I, was, I haven't seen a match that good in, since fucking Pac had his last match, I guess. I don't know when the fuck that was. Or actually, since Pac left Japan, probably. So, yeah, go check out Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa if you're even remotely interested in pro wrestling. It's one of the best matches I've seen in years. And I've been watching a lot of it lately. And, like, yeah, it was a really good match. It was a breath of fresh air after some of the other stuff I've seen recently. So, Tommaso <laughs> Ciampa versus Walter for the uh, NXT UK Championship for this week. Uh, about 30 minutes of just fucking brutality. And it was a lot of fun. I could have used a fight like that in the middle of this movie we talked about. <laughs> Mikey Kurt for this week just yesterday actually as we're recording this was National Beer Day and beer has <laughs> is one of the things that has I thought you were going to make a joke about getting let out of Facebook jail again. <laughs> uh, that too. Uh, it, it is also, no, it's not the day I got, I got let out of Facebook jail on Tuesday. National Beer Day was Wednesday. But yes, yeah, so, uh, and beer is definitely one of the things that has kept me sane uh, during the pandemic. 
stain and lubricated, let's say. So I'm going to rep one of my local breweries, which is uh, Reinhard Brewing in uh, York. They make a lot of good classic German style beers. Yep, their stout's excellent. I've had it before. Also some interesting like twists on German styles yeah. and uh, ger- German styles of beers are just underutilized i find like you can get them you know you can get like the actual like german imports in some places but there's not many like craft breweries that are doing takes on german styles of beer so they have uh reinhardt has a really good doppelbach that's called a a cult classic it's really nice it's dark but uh dark and tasty but it's also goes down really easy like that's what i one of the things i always look for in a beer is something that is like tasty and has some body but is also pretty sessionable like you can pack away a few of them without feeling like really fucking weighed down so okay. yeah Reinhard brewing i'm not sure how much i guess obvious do they get down to st Catharines, or did you drink them when you i was up there like oh, okay I, I was a toronto boy for a long time guys <laughs> like yeah, yeah. yeah so so i mean i don't know how much you can get them outside of the the gta but if you are in the gta uh oh, you can order it actually if you're in ontario it. So. Well, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the, you know, I've been like trying to sort of like, you know, make my way through all of kind of the breweries that will deliver to me. Yeah. And they're one of them, you know, it's just like you spend like, I think 50 bucks or something like that, which is easy enough to do with these craft breweries. Like yeah, you buy like a fucking like two, four or something like that. Yep. And then you're over that and they'll do like free local delivery. They'll just fucking drop it off on your porch like the next day or some shit. Yeah. That's what the dispensaries so, do now too. So you just get like, you yeah. can do like tours of like, I've tried so many different like fucking strains since i've been locked away <laughs> yeah like quarantine and stuff it's just been like something to do i guess in my spare time it's like hey i'm gonna try this new strain and see how high i get <laughs> yeah exactly so. all right so with that uh we will end this marathon of an episode oh uh thank God. you very much for for listening everybody before we go steven do you have anything that you're sort of working on right now or you want to tell our listeners where they can find you i'm on twitter at ask underscore steven uh i've got a couple other podcast appearances banked uh ready to be released at some point so if you like hearing me talk about things that aren't superman returns <laughs> keep, keep an eye on that twitter feed and i'll be putting them out there when they're ready cool so with that, we will say uh, thank you very much for listening. If you would like to tell us what you thought of Superman Returns, uh, which one of us you most closely align with, uh, you can do so on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. If you prefer to talk to us on Twitter, we don't really use it that much, but we have it. It's at DRD underscore podcast. You can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. And if you're not already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and most other places that podcasts can be found. So with that, uh, we'll say thank you, Stephen, for joining us and leading a very spirited discussion on Superman Returns. Always a pleasure. (laughs) Mark, say goodnight. Goodnight, everybody. (laughs) And this is uh, Tim saying, uh, I feel like Singer was trying to channel some Tarantino in there, too. Did you guys catch all the foot shots? <laughs> there's a lot of Kate Bosworth's. I don't. a lot of Kate Bosworth's feet in this movie. I don't want to talk about this fucking movie anymore. I'm done. Let's go from from Sex Pest Brian Singer. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Bye everybody. Talk to you next time. <laughs>